What up, what up, what up, man? The Real Coach JB here, getting ready to go for another Coach JB rendition. Loaded show this morning. Zach Smith will join me, Matt McChesney, and Steve Kim. We're all going to trio this thing, talk about all things this past weekend. We're going to talk about all things football moving forward. Tonight's Baker versus Aaron Rodgers showdown, plus so much more. Derek Carr got lucky again for doing absolutely nothing. Belichick screwed the pooch. We don't know why, what happened, but he's sure I've never seen a Belichick-led team do what they did. So much more today on this action-packed rendition of the Coach JB Show. Make sure you hit the like button, subscribe, become a member today. We're about to get after it. Uh, Zach will be joining us in the first hour. Make sure you head on over to CoachJBStore.com, 20% off all month until January 1st. So go get you some gear. This show is brought to you by betonline.ag. Use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, and get you 50% off welcome bonus. And don't forget to go to canadipcbd.com. Use the promo code COACHJB and get you some dip, cleanest dip in the country. Can't wait to get after it. We'll be right back after this. And Zach Smith will join us for this Menace Monday. See you on the other side. Appreciate everybody joining me this morning. We got a light lit up show today. Uh, we got a lot of people. Zach's going to fire us off right off the start. Uh, let me get to the quote of the day, get you guys started. Uh, if you don't go after what you want, you'll never have it. <laughs> real self-explanatory, real simple. Uh, if you don't go after what you want, you will never have it. So I don't understand why that's so hard for some of you to grasp. But I don't think you get it. You got to go get it uh, if you want it. So uh, poll question today, make sure you drop your in the comments. Is Joe Burrow the MVP? I think he's got an argument to be made. I think there's an argument to be made. Um, but we're going to get after it. And contrary to belief brought to you by candidates, if you don't ask, the answer will always be no. Contrary to belief, if you don't fucking ask, the answer is going to be no. I don't know if you know that or not. But just throwing that out there, um, if you don't step forward, you will always be in the same damn place, contrary to belief. So had to get those out the way. Um, oops. And uh, without further ado, I got to bring my main man, Zach Smith, in here. Zach, appreciate you. Uh, good morning to you. Morning, my man. What's up, man? Been swamped. I see you've been killing it. Man, just been busy as hell. And then, of course, you know, I'm in Ohio. It's cold as hell. I'm, I got sick last week. I'm just recovering from that. Really? Been, been crazy. But went to I went to my first NFL game last Sunday and went to another one on Saturday. So Really? Yeah, I went to uh, Bengals-Browns in Cincinnati on last Sunday. And this Saturday, I went to the Browns-Ravens. I saw you had your kid with you on, last week, right? Yeah, man. He's a junkie. He loves it. Really? Um, yeah. So you you got to watch Deshaun. Was he getting rubbed out? <laughs> Post game for sure. 
Man, it's so funny. You go to you go to Cincinnati and they had it all. They had like like mannequins with with erections on a massage table at the tailgate, like <laughs> no means no bunch, shirts. They had kids, kids are doing that shit and and and, and like this ain't that bad. And he's got like a dick hard. And I'm like, dog, I've been seeing all over social media. I'm like, damn, this shit's crazy. It's fucking wild. Parenting fails everywhere. <laughs> hey, yeah. The fuck. We see that every day. Uh, every day. Hey, I posted a thing, man, about, uh, fucking, <laughs> it would be a white boy who fucked up the HBCU game. Uh, <laughs> right. That shit blew up on me. Uh, Hey, so, <laughs> His last name's Hagler, by the way. I had Steve Kim over the house last night watching these games, and she's like, fucking, is that Marvin Hagler's kid? We just don't know it. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, this white kid drops the ball in the end zone, uh, possibly to tie or win the game. Let me ask you this. If you're Dion going out like he was going out, don't you just go for two in the fucking end of regulation and end the game? Absolutely. Well, I don't what, understand that. The fuck else you got to lose? I don't know. I'm like, what the fuck are we kicking it for? And I was going to say, I was like, this kick, this kick's about to get blocked. It ain't going to go overtime. Right. <laughs> I'm like, why would you even do it? I'm like, let's go for two and end this bitch. And I, I, I'll put it like this, Zach. I'd rather regret going for two and not getting it than going into overtime and regretting not going for two. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, people don't yeah, really no doubt. That. I mean, I... I do agree with the the thought. Like, if you know you have the better team, just go play more football because the better team should win. But to your point, you're Dion. Like, what the fuck's the matter if you lose? Like, you're putting on a Buffalo shirt right after the game and never looking back. So, fuck it. Just go. <laughs> like, we already – we're – okay, I kudos. You, you coached the game and you had the kids buy in. Nobody opted out. Like, you had – to me, that shows, okay, the kids buy in. Something like – uh, to me, it's like something myself or you would have done uh, and got the kids to still buy in throughout the season, even though they know I'm leaving. Because that's a full-on buy-in. I'm still yeah. here, and I, I know you've taken a job, and you're still here coaching, and we're here with you. Like, to me, that's oh, yeah. that tells a lot. A lot of guys can't do it. You know these damn coach, Brian Kelly's and these other yeah. – these cats couldn't do that shit. No way in yeah. hell. Um, you see the guy at Coastal Carolina just fucking text message their guys. He got out. Uh, my boy Brom text messaged his guys. He got out. The fucking guy, Col uh, Liberty, Hugh Freeze leaves. They found out on social media. They get waxed by New Mexico State in their last game because they know he's gone. So it's like a lot of cats can't do it. So I, I, I commend them for, for at least coaching it and getting everyone to buy in. So uh, it is what it is. But, you know, fucking white boy had to be the guy. I'm like, come on, man. Be. Fuck it up. I was going to ask you, Joe Joe Burrow, man, in my opinion, he's climbing to be the MVP. Uh, There's no doubt. There's no doubt. I mean, I, I got to watch him live uh, on against the Browns last week, and it's he he started off rough, but man, once he's so good, like he's so good at extending plays. And then Jamar Chase is a freak. I mean, Jamar Chase just makes him so much money. <laughs> like he he threw a post for a touchdown, and I'm not shitting you. Jamar Chase never turned never turned around and looked for it. And it hit him right right where it counted, and it stuck to his hands. Like, I'm looking at his eyes. He's right in front of me. And he never looked for the ball. But Joe Burrow just stuck it to him. It was it was an unbelievable throw. Then the last night, they fucking scored like 27 in a row. Yeah. Tom Brady looks like, oh, fuck. Tom Brady's dropping corner routes for Tubbs. I'm like, oh, shit. Tom's back. They're going to fucking beat the Bengals. And then the Bengals, because I picked the Bengals. I'm like, fuck, no, you got to be shitting me. And they come out and score 27. Uh, Burrow fucking ends me, wins me some money on uh, DraftKings because I picked him as my quarterback. So 
you know, is what it is. Uh, Jackson State falls short. Let me ask you something. Uh, twice they've lost in two years to eight, to uh, North Carolina Central. Uh, should Colorado fans or, or admin or anybody be worried at all? Or they already know? Ah, eh, fuck it. Because uh, if you look at the game, you're like, Somebody got the fuck out, coach. I don't know who, but I know goddamn well on defense they couldn't stop a nosebleed. No, there's no doubt, and it's 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 always problematic when you when it's very obvious that you have a better roster, right? You have a more talented roster, and when you play someone formidable, you if you if you lose every time, there, that that comes down to coaching. It's not hard to to have a much better team than your opponent and win. It's hard to have an equal team and win. That's where coaching really shows. So. That's why I, not, the jury's still out on Dion as a football coach. Now, what he's going to do at Colorado, it doesn't matter if he can coach because he's going to level up the roster. He's going to level up their their bank accounts. Like, and, and that's what's going to matter for rebuilding that program. Even if he's only there three years, rebuilds the roster, they bring in a, a different football coach, a guy that can actually coach, and then all of a sudden they'll be in a much better place. So I don't think it matters if he can coach, but we're going to find out at Colorado. I, I, I know he can't coach, but I'm not right. going to go into that shit. Uh, right. We're not going to get into that. Um let me ask you this, uh, this kid, <laughs> this number one kid, Travis Hunter, he officially enters the portal after the game. Uh, so convenient now. I just go on my phone and just, oh, bleep, I'm in the portal. Let's go, Dion. And Dion had a private jet waiting out here, and he was back in Colorado like two hours after the game. Um, so, like, is he a guy to you? Like, is he really the guy? I, I don't know if he's the guy. I haven't seen him enough. Um, I sure yeah. know this, and I can't wait to Matt jumps on him. If Matt ever says that fucking Sanders, Sons, and Heisman candidate again, I got to fucking jump through the screen. It's <laughs> not a fucking big-time quarterback. I'm sorry. Right. And here's the thing, right? We're going to find out. Because he, he Dion was able to get athletes that far superseded their competition level. So you watch a guy like like his, his Dion's son or Travis Hunter, and of course they look great. They just took a step up to like – a step above high school. They're, they're not playing power five college football. So we'll find out. I mean, he's going to have to go against a USC DB. Like he's not going to, not going to just go against Tennessee state DBs. Like they're going to have to play real competition now. Now, now we'll find out how good they are. Or pass rush, right? They're going oh, yeah. to go against a fucking pass rush. That's going to play on Sundays. I want to see what he does in that situation. And they won't be a more talented team. Like their offensive line is not going to be, as dominant right. as Jackson State's was. Like, they're going to have some shit to deal with. Yeah, right out, the front, right out the gate. It's going to be hard. You can bring in a bunch of skill guys. That's why – that's what I know they're – like, I'm watching this class that Colorado's signing, and I can't wait to ask Matt because he'll know more in depth. He's got kids going there. Like, I don't see no big boys. I'm seeing a bunch of fucking skill guys. But I, you got to understand, we better go get some fucking big boys and to meet if we're going to compete with this thing. So – you know, I don't know. Bo Nick says he's going to return in 23. Um, Max Dugan declares for the draft. And uh, Oregon just seems to have a, 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 a something going on there in the water. This kid right here has been there nine years. <laughs> I know. And, uh, amazing. And I posted this, and I'm taking all, all the Oregon fans. It's, it's unbelievable to me that uh, that – some people's fan bases, Zach, uh, are very, very fucking. Uh, they 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 get butt hurt. I'm gonna tell you. Oh yeah. Oh, dude. I remember I was on McAfee show last year and I picked Indiana to beat Cincinnati. And I was like, Penix is good. I like Indiana and Tom Allen. <coughs> I, 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 
that's why I'm on the sofa. I'm just here to pick games, dude. It's not a fucking personal attack on Cincinnati. I picked Indiana to win. Indiana had the game won. They fucking choked it off at the end. Cincinnati won. That was the year they went to the BCS. Dude, I'm attacked by fucking Cincinnati Barstool. No, these motherfuckers are fucking blocking me and shit. I'm like, no, are you fucking shitting me? So I'm just like, so I posted this thing. I didn't say anything about his character, Zach. I just said nine years. Come on, man. I said after three, the NFL knows if you're going to be a guy or not. I said it's time to just, you know, go probably get a job. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's, I mean, you know what? I'm all, I used to tell my players, like the ones that weren't NFL players, like they go play arena football or go play NFL Europe or Canada. And it's like, I would tell them like, listen, you, you got, you, you don't have a wife. You don't have a kid. Like go ahead and play. I mean, just, just know that this is not going to be a career for you probably, but if you want to go play and have fun for a couple of years, have at it like this kid. Okay. You want to come back and play a little longer? Like as long as they want you back. Okay. Just don't make no, don't, don't be delusional here. You're not going to do this for a living. Like you, I don't know if you'll start next year, but if you just enjoy it and they want you back, okay, have at it. But the delusional part is where you lose me, right? Like I had a, I had a walk on one time, said, man, if I if I didn't get injured, like I'm gonna have to switch my, switch up my plans. Like I, it's no league for me. I'm like, brother, there was no league for you ever. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> man, I tell parents that shit all the time. They're like, coach, I gotta get my kid's gotta go D one, and I'm like, really? I said, well, fuck. I want to fuck a porn star tonight, but I'm not going to be able to do it. Like, right. I don't understand. Your son 5'8", runs 5'5", 40, and he weighs 140. What position does he think you think he plays at the four-year level? Does he transition well to something <laughs> that I don't know about? I'm like, you got to no. be fucking me, dude. Uh, let me ask you this, man. A college uh, expertise for your personal opinion. What's the quick fix with these shitty bowl games that, that once meant something to the common fan and, and now – these fucking stands are empty. Uh, we have no buy-in. Uh, Two-part question. The quick fix to the shitty bowl games that are being played right now, and then what's the long-term solution to bowl games in general once these 12-team playoffs hit? I mean, it's – it's they are what they are. They're all exhibition games at this point anyways. I think the 12-team playoff is just going to add more, more games that quote-unquote matter. But you even look at the Orange Bowl, Clemson, Tennessee, that should be a massive game, right? We should We should be like – so excited about this, this, you know, DJ Uyunglele and I guess he got benched, but we should be excited about the stars to play in that game. Cause that's a massive game. That's two historically massive programs and ain't nobody playing. <laughs> Nobody's playing. So it's just an exhibition game for next year's team. And that's, that's what these bowl games are. And you get down to the ones we're watching right now. I mean, it's fucking awful. I mean, it's just awful football. <laughs> it is terrible. I mean, my, my alma mater, Florida goes out and gets the, just boat race. They scored three fucking points. It's just hey, so, so that's a viral video going around. I didn't see it. I was I was busy as shit. I'm turning my garage into a studio, man. I saw you do your studio, and I'm like, dude, what if I did it in my fucking garage? So I'm turning my garage into a straight-up cigar lounge studio. That's sick. And I'm going to throw in a pool table. Uh, I mean, I'm going to throw in a uh, poker table. Um, throw that in there. Put <clears> a pool <throat> bar. We're making a bar today. So I've been working on that all weekend. Uh, let me ask you this. A clip I see this Florida DN basically fucking walks up the field against the tackle and just said, fuck it. In my opinion, it's another just slap in the face of the game, the sport, the coach himself. Yeah. Like if I'm an NFL team, I would just say, fuck you. And I, I want to ask you this. When did this become a thing where a kid at Florida of all places or any power five or any school on TV at a D1 just said, I'll oh, fuck it. No regard for who's watching me. 
And, and if the NFL, like, to me, like, okay, did this NFL already sign this fucking kid or something? Like, why is this kid thinking he's just, like, do they not even give a fuck about it, who's watching them? Because I don't think they give a fuck. I mean, it's a shit culture, right? I, I, I can't, I, I honestly can't really relate. Like the culture we we had. I mean, we we went to a Fiesta Bowl in 2015. We just missed the playoffs, lost to Michigan State on a last second field goal, and we were loaded. Now Ezekiel Elliott, Joey Bosa, Michael Thomas, like we were loaded. Returned the whole team from the year before that won the national championship, and they left us out of the the playoffs. We go play Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. It's you know nowadays, and you watch some of these other cultures. Those kids are sitting out. They're not going to play hard. That shit you're talking about. I mean, Florida Florida went down a wire against a good Florida State team just to end the season. Then they go play Oregon State and can only muster up three fucking points and get blown out. But, like, going back to that Fiesta Bowl, that Fiesta Bowl, I mean, not only did everyone play, like, the guys were the third overall pick, second overall pick. They all played. But everyone played really fucking hard, and we beat the brakes off of Notre Dame because there was just a culture like, no, nah, man, we're going to field. We're going to do what we do. Like, we're going hard. We're going to, we're going to try to like end somebody's career. Like we're trying to fuck somebody up and it's just, it's wild to see that because you're Florida. I mean, they haven't played for anything meaningful in forever. So what is the difference between this game and week two? Like it's, it's just I, awful. That's my point, man. I just don't understand. Like, I'm just like, dude. So, so let me put this in. Let me ask you this. Alabama has no sit outs. So no. he's got everybody. Bryce is playing. I know we, we talked about it here a month ago. You said, is it, have we seen the end of Bryce Young after they lost to LSU? And, no. you're, and I was like, fuck, I don't know. Maybe. You're right. I didn't think about it. He's going to play. They got the, the the Will Anderson's playing. Like, I don't know, man. I got to ask you this. Can <laughs> genuine real talk buy-in still sell these kids to a program or to stay in it? Or in the instance that the Ohio State kid just just decommitted, the number one kid quarterback, uh, apparently he's committed to Nebraska, where I've heard rule uh, wasn't about money at all. It was more genuine, real talk over NIL money. Rule seems to have done it with this kid anyway. Can it still happen? Can these kids still buy into a real talk cat like myself and you and guys like maybe Dion's getting them to do? Uh, can that still beat out NIL money? Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely definitely helps. I mean, I, we don't know the details of it yet, but I know that that Rule was playing check uh, chess and Ohio State was playing checkers when it comes to – because Ohio State doesn't have great NIL money, which is a whole other fucking conversation. It's shocking. But they don't have – Ohio State's behind just about everybody. And so I know Rule Rule has more to play with, and he also has the kid's uncle on, on staff, and he, he was able to use that kind of as a – as a as a pawn, right? Like, well, I'll keep you on staff, but I'm gonna need your nephew. <laughs> and so they they haven't flipped him yet. He obviously decommitted, but I tried to tell Buckeye fans because Ohio State just last Thursday uh got a commitment from the number one receiver in the country. So they had the number one player in the country who's the quarterback, Dylan Rayola, then the number three player who's the the best receiver in the country out of South Florida. They're like, Oh my god, this class is gonna be loaded. I try to tell them, I say, listen now, it's 12 months from now. I know they, they they're signing 12 months from now. Do you know how many NIL deals yeah. coaches leaving coaches coming? How many things are going to happen from now till then the likelihood that Ohio saying. state. And it was Put hilarious. Cause I said the, the yeah. likelihood that Ohio state signed either of them was low. And then the next day the kid decommitted. 
Because didn't Colorado sign a big-time wideout over? Like, I saw you say, man, I've never fucking had to compete against Colorado for a wideout. Yeah, now, the, yeah, the, a that's kid. a kid in this class. Now, he, he's going to sign, but he he ended, he kind of came out and said he's been committed to Ohio State for nine months. He came out and said, I don't know if I'm going to sign early now because Coach Prime hit me up, and I, I'm, I'm, I want to listen to what he has to say. You're like, what? It's fucking Ohio State. Coach Prime, the fuck is that? Like, no, Colorado? Never in my life. Hey, uh, speaking of this thing, I saw you I saw you doing that shit. I, I love it. Genius shit you're doing with the fucking <laughs> the collective, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. Spire Sports Group, Tennessee. I did a thing on this last week. They're number one right now as far as NIL backing for Tennessee. And yeah. I, I guess they uh, we see it because of the fucking guys that they're what they're doing. Eight million and Nico kid out of here that I've coached from Cali. Uh, all these different things. And then Miami, number two, who I've seen climb up the fucking, uh, apparently up the uh, board here as far as class goes. John Ruiz uh, is a Miami uh, funding guy yeah. at number two. And then A&M, the fund, is at three. And I'm looking, Division Street, Oregon is four. Gator Collective, Florida is five. Boulevard LLC is at SC at six. Then the foundation's at seven. That's your Ohio State, right? <laughs> yeah. So the foundation. So that's who the outside resources are. That's yeah. Those are the collectives, right? The 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 I guess companies that popped up and said, "Hey, we're going to be the NIL company for for this school." And it's interesting because the school has no say, no control, no influence, nothing. They can do nothing. So and that's I started it last week because I found out that the the foundation for Ohio State was. I mean, they were dropping the bag in a major way. I mean, I. I don't know where they get those rankings from because I read an article that Ohio State has done more NIL deals than anyone else in the country. And then I'm talking to people on both sides. I'm talking to current players. I'm talking to people on the board of this foundation. I'm talking to the coaches at Ohio State. And all of them are saying, we don't have shit. Like, we're not, we haven't raised it much money. We haven't paid any athletes much money. And I'm sitting here like, why the fuck are they trying to tell me that Ohio State's number one in the country in deals? Because you could spin everything in this bullshit media world and come to find out they're behind it. I don't know that I don't know who they're in front of. They've raised their goal was to raise 13 million dollars in the first year. They've raised barely three. Three. Buckeye Nation is the it's the biggest fan base in college football. And so I went on a rant about it. Like, there's no way you can't tell me that if you sign up a recurring donation model for like 10 bucks a month, you don't get anything. Just donate 10 bucks a month to help us buy the best players. Just be be real about it. You'd have 500,000 people pay 10 bucks a month. That's 5 million a month right there. Done. Bankroll. And I said it and fans went crazy. So much so that the AD at Ohio State had to come out and do an interview. The foundation responded. Cardale Jones, who's running it, is calling me every day. Like, And all of a sudden, guess what happened, JB? Four days later, they announced a reoccurring uh, donation model. I'm like, you fucking idiots. What the I, fuck I are saw you do it. I was like, I was like, dude, I was like, damn, is Zach involved or is he just shooting a shot or no, you know, it's funny is, what is I, it? I just threatened that i would get involved and everybody was like oh we don't want that they started they started making moves <laughs> hey hey i got a fan that uh, i don't know if you know steve kim he's a miami hurricane uh guy he loves your gaddis takes he watches your show every day after uh, mine uh i'm gonna bring him in for you steve what up hey guys how you doing good morning What's up, steve good good hey so Steve is, he's like, Zach is a, tr is a fortune teller. He fucking called this, this, the Gaddis thing so long ago. There's no doubt. There's what no doubt. Say, Steve? Well, it was funny at the beginning of the year when Zach said what he said about 
Gaddis. He kind of went viral and he was like this evil character on Miami message boards and YouTube channels, right? We're all like, yeah. F Zach Smith. He's a horrible <laughs> human being. Did you see what he allegedly did in the past? I'm like, okay, you know. So I started watching his show because you're on with JB. And I'm like, this is a good show. I'm like watching it. You know, I saw last week's show was really funny and stuff uh, was about Gene Smith. The funniest thing is, but as but as Gaddis is just like absolutely destroying the NFL draft stock of Tyler Van Dyke. And I saw your yeah. video, you did a play-by-play of him at the AM game where we, you know, we actually ran for a lot of yards, could not convert any red zone opportunities. You the opinion of Zach Smith started to begrudgingly change on Miami websites. It was the funniest thing. It went from he is the Ayatollah to he's Nostradamus in a period of about two months. And the funniest thing is, so now he, Josh Gaddis, and I have nothing against him. I'm just a fan. You have more of an intimate night. It's funny, Zach. He actually said at a press conference about three weeks ago, you know, uh, we basically run three different offenses this year. And my reply was, yeah, none of them have worked. Right. They all sucked. They all sucked. <laughs> they are not all productive. Uh, Zach, I have a question because you've been on this on staffs before. A lot of Miami fans are worried that Gaddis is still making recruiting trips, in-home visits, and stuff like that. What does that necessarily mean in your view for his long-term or short-term future at Miami on that staff with Cristobal? Well, I mean, I, I think at this point Mario's kind of doubled down. He hasn't he hasn't released him. Um, mm. He hasn't made a change. So if he's going to be there, he needs to be out out in the paint, right? He needs to be standing yeah. in the paint out there trying to get recruits um i obviously i think that's a mistake to retain him and keep him around but you know mario's with him every day i just know the guy and know his football acumen i guess and it's it's been kind of a just a facade it's it, everything is like it's this smoke and mirrors that he's great and, and the, tyler van dyke's the problem or he's great at michigan it wasn't jim harbaugh's offense and he called the plays at alabama mike loxley had nothing to do with it everything's like it yeah. has some excuse or or narrative to it. And it, it's just like, all right, at what point are you going to be good though? Like, <laughs> is that going to happen? Or are we just going to blame Ty Tyler Van Dyke was a far better quarterback last year than he was this year. What the guy, the guy woke up and started sucking. Like what, what happened there? Zach, uh, Michigan fans tried to warn us, yeah. whether it was through Twitter or coming on certain websites saying, Hey guys, uh, forget the Broyles award. We don't miss them. Right. We're good. We're, and you know, it's interesting, uh, guys, <laughs> to not even average 20 points a game in this version of college football Wild. is uh, is really is a fireable offense. It, is. it truly is. you got to score at least 30 points nowadays to be somewhat average across the board in NCAA football. There were so many games we didn't get to 20. We had a game this year, Zach. We had 98 yards of total offense for four that's a drive and a half for ryan day yeah. and lincoln riley just think about that 98 yards against clemson it was and it was worse than that if you actually watched the game that's hey, the Zach, uh michigan there's these rumblings out here in the nfl you know world does uh do you see harbaugh going to the colts at, at, at all i mean he he's been dying to go go back to the nfl every year and and I said it last year. If if you have the year that Michigan had last year, right, the best year they've had in twenty five years, why would he try to leave then, knowing the whole team was coming back? Like you would think he would at least wait until this season, and then a bunch of guys leave, and then he then he departs. Right? He just wants to go to the NFL so fucking bad. It's, it's it, it kills him.
I can I think, see I can see him throw Ursay throwing a bunch of money at him. For sure. Yeah, but you know, as a college football guy, I would hate to see it. I am not a Michigan fan, but I like Harbaugh because he's a nutty guy. I think he yeah. gives this game character. We just lost Mike Leach. And that's one of the fun fun things about college football is that the coach's personality is the culture. That's part of the rivalry. And oh, he's yeah. finally, like like you said, Zach, he's finally got this program where he wants it. Uh, I don't think McCarthy's a great quarterback, but he's a young guy. They're recruiting at a certain level. They finally get over the Ohio State yeah. hump. Georgia's not going to be great every year, I don't think. There's going to be some sort of drop-off. I just think, here's the problem. If he goes back to the NFL in Indianapolis, who's his quarterback <coughs> at this point? Yeah, they're going to have to draft somebody. <laughs> they're going to have to get fucking Andrew Luck back. <laughs> Hey, well, who, I, who, I, I don't want him to go. What quarterback going first, Bryce? I mean, I, I'm taking Bryce Young without a, I mean, without any hesitation. Wow, so high on him over the Ohio State kid, Zach. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Just because I, the quarterback position is more than arm talent, I think CJ has has probably the best arm talent in the draft. You could put Will Levis up there when it comes to arm talent, but. We see arm talent all the time. Josh Rosen's of the world. Like, cool, man. I, I love the arm talent. CJ Stroud's not a competitor and not very tough. I'm out. I don't like I don't want him to run my program or, or my, my franchise. Yeah, I agree. He's got he got a lot of Jared Goff in him. Like yeah. I see Jared Goff coming out. I was like, fuck, this guy can spin it with anybody. He's got big arm, even though it's real elongated, but he's got big time arm and then fuck he goes to the Super Bowl and then he gets traded because they didn't win it. Mm. And guess what? They won it with Stafford and now Golf has these lions rolling. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going on, dude. But I'm telling you right now, I don't want to play the fucking lions or the Bengals. No, not right now. I, I don't know if anybody wants to. No, they're rolling. It's crazy to think about the, the, the two teams you just said. Imagine them three years ago. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Hey, Zach. Uh, I heard you earlier before I came on about the bowl game that you guys played against Ohio State in 2016. I think that was New Year's Day. Yeah. Um, I think what changed is when you had all your blue chippers playing for Ohio State, remember what happened to Notre Dame? They had that top 10 linebacker that blew yeah. out his knee, right? Yeah, Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. And I think I, – I still remember watching that game, and the online reaction was at that point, why in the hell was he playing? Yeah. And, guys, I think that's when it flipped. Like, you know what? If you're a blue chipper, forget it. Just sit out. I think that was really a seminal moment with, for college football. There's no doubt because you even you look at like Jamison Williams last year, right? Now, granted, they were in the in the mix for it. They were in the national championship game. He he tore his ACL, but he still got drafted high. But and and Jalen Smith was different because then it came out, you know, tore everything in his knee, possible nerve damage, might never heal. That kid went from a top five pick to he didn't even get drafted in the first round. He woke up in the second round, and they're having to like rush these medical opinions to to counter. What, what one doctor said with another doctor saying he will heal fully. And it, it just became a train wreck. And everyone said the same thing where you just said, why the fuck was he playing? He just yeah. lost $20 million playing in some game that doesn't matter. Hey, hey Zach, real quick. Uh, recruiting wise, apparently Alabama's number one right now. Three, five stars, four, uh, 21, four stars. He's got five, five stars, <laughs> 21, four stars. And the class is headlined by five star Caleb Downs. Ohio State falls at four. They got five star, one five star, 18 four stars, and they got the wide receiver Brandon Ennis. Is that who it is? Yep. Yep. Um, Where do you see that? Texas is top five, and Miami's climbed to number six. No SC in there. Notre Dame's at three. 
Georgia and Alabama are the number one and two, by the way. But Oklahoma's climbed up in there, LSU, Tennessee, and Florida. Um, where do you see uh, – explain to these people real quick for me. You don't see SC. You don't see Florida. You don't see Florida State. You don't see AM. Why is that? And explain the difference between recruiting the portal and high school compared – because SC, you know, is living in the portal right now. People don't yeah. understand that, so – what we have in college football now is you have you have two different ways to filter in talent to to you know for roster management to build a roster and the the portal's one way i think you need to have a nice a nice mix where you're taking three four kids out of the portal every year and the rest of them are high school prospects just so you can build a youthful roster and, and have program guys still but you're also seeing nil money i mean the fact that miami is not, not bowl eligible not going to a bowl game the fact that they are in the top five is like wow Mario Cristobal and his staff are doing a great job, and John Ruiz is doing a phenomenal NIL job. Just imagine if they win. Like that's that's what I think about all the time. Like imagine if Miami was nine and three, like where that class would be sitting. Um, so it's just so much different than even when I did it four years ago because you have all these different tools at your disposal. And Nick Saban warned us when it first came out, NIL transfer portal. He looked at everyone and said, "Listen, this is bad for college football," and they were like, "What?" Well, uh, like he, they thought he was making excuses and his second interview came out and said, no, 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 this is going to be really good for us. I just don't like it. Yeah. Like we're going to, we're going to kill it with this. Yeah. I just don't think it's good. You know, yeah. this remind, this is the old saying, be careful what you wish for. It reminded me, I cover boxing, Zach. Uh, this is what I do for a living by profession for the most part. And I remember for years, guys, they would always say, Hey, how come the scorecards in boxing are not read to the end of the fight? We should have open scorecards. Like everyone should know what the scoreboard is. So they finally tried it for a couple of fights. And you know what happened? After in a 10-round fight or a 12-round fight, two-thirds of the way in, if a fighter was winning by a lot of points or rounds, they would just run around the ring and it would ruin fights. Yeah. And so the first time it happened, I'm like, now I know why they don't have open scorecards. <laughs> and, so, and so now the joke is to me, you know, let's go back to the old way of college football. Let's just give them secret cards and money under the table instead right. of over it. And, and, and let's just – the thing that we have to do, though, Zach, see, I, it's interesting as a Miami fan. I long for the days or hope for the days that Miami can actually win where Miami can just go on and bring in 23 regular high school kids and fill a hole with the portal guy or two like Alabama's done the last two years with Jameer Gibbs, Jamison <laughs> Williams. But the, the SC way of flipping over your roster, Coach – with 25, 30 new guys, I don't know how sustainable it is for the long haul. I think you can bridge a roster. I don't know if you can build a foundation with that. No, I don't think you can. And we saw it with Michigan State. I mean, Mel Tucker did it in year one, and they had unbelievable success with Kenneth Walker and, and, and everyone they brought in. And then in year two, he tried to do it again, and it was an epic failure. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just, I, I think it's too fragile because you, you're bringing all these kids in. You don't know how they're going to mesh, what the culture is going to be. You know, how good are they really? I know they were good at NC State, but are they going to be good against Ohio State? Like, there's so many question marks, even with portal kids, that there's no development. I mean, you have a roster of 85 guys that you just are developing consistently. You could build a team that way. You're bringing in 20 guys from a portal. It's like, that's not a team. That's like an all-star game. Like, <laughs> you're just going to go Yeah. So you hey, got tackling techniques, you got philosophical differences, ideologies coming from Saban today, from day to fuck. I mean, that's why I see tackling's horrible. That's why I see more injuries. That's why I see less culture, more transfer. I don't know. It's crazy. I didn't get. I didn't get a chance to have you on last week. Uh, hope your baby's all right. Let, 
Let me ask you, what's your take on the Mike Leach thing? I know uh, I had Calvin Jackson, who's in the league right now. I played for him at Wazoo after me, and uh, he broke him down a little bit and, and uh, had some good takes. Um, my question, though, was do you blow it up? As fucked up as it is, mm. you know, I was like, I was taking the side. Of, you got to treat it almost as a firing um, because of, you know, this can't be a Cinderella story because it's going to end up imploding because kids are still going to fucking leave. They're not – they're going there because of Mike Leach. They're not going there because of the DC. And I, no offense to them and that staff. I, I, you know, I got a couple of buddies on the staff, and I'm just like, dude, uh, I thought they should have blown it up and went out. At, since it's still early, they could have maybe snatched somebody. Um, and I bet you, Dion probably got the job at Colorado two weeks too soon <laughs> because that's probably a guy that could came in and change not only the the culture but the community uh, to kind of rally them in there. But I don't know if Dion would have been accepted in Starkville like he is right now in Colorado. But still, um, you think they made the right move? Is it more of a Cinderella well, story, or should they have gone outside? I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that they made the right move for the longevity of the football program. Um, that, that's yet to be seen. But I think they made the right move for humanity, right? Uh, like, yeah. Mike Leach was so loved. I mean, truly the best character in college football. Those kids love that guy. I mean, they love that fucking weirdo. And so when he died just suddenly and so tragically, I think for the, the current players, for the coaches and everyone, I mean, he they could have went out and hired somebody, blown it all up, a bunch of coaches out of jobs, a bunch of players, not only lost the guy that they really love, their head coach, but now they got a whole new staff coming in. So I think for the hu humanity side of it, I think they absolutely did the right thing. And they may suffer a little if this guy's not successful, but they did the right thing for all the families involved. I agree. Steve, you? Yeah, I think they needed a little bit of continuity because this is so unheard of. I, I can't think of a similar situation no. where a, a seemingly healthy coach suddenly passes away and you have a program to run and a bowl game to prepare for. I, and I don't, you know, we don't know who's out there to coach. If you go to the, the situation with Deion Sanders, I don't know. <laughs> is it easier to win in Colorado in a relatively soft, thinned out Pac-12 or to be a middle-of-the-road SEC team that's always going to be fighting to be the fifth or sixth best club in, in that conference and division. I don't know. I, I, I tend to think that Dion can recruit anywhere, at least for the first year or two. But if you really look at all the dynamics of what is a better job for Dion, I would much rather be in the Pac-12 than, than a middle-of-the-road SEC school. If you, if you just look historically at where the Bulldogs are, they are always fighting to be right around sixth or seventh. So, I mean, that, that, and by the way, in Carl Durrell and the interim coach, those shoes aren't nearly as big as fulfilling the shoes of Mike Leach, who be, quickly became a legend out there in Starkville. And I'm with you, Zach. I, if you would have blown that thing up so quickly, I mean, I know this is a business deal, but man, that would have been callous just to yeah, dump yeah. everyone in this situation. Like, hey, we know he died. You're also all fired. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Merry hey, Christmas, by the way. Do what? Tell me about your hoodie. Is this something you're doing? No, this is this is my guy, Mikey D. It's a random random guy I met in the gym down here by the new studio we opened. I walked through there. He's got all this gear, and he when he finds out who I was, he was like, "Let me give you some gear if you shout out my company." I was like, "Deal." And it, it, they're they're comfortable, man. Really? So it just says Ohio. Yeah. He, he, he doesn't get sued because it's not script Ohio. What did he say? It's like, it's cursive Ohio. So he That's can't get sued. Words, get the trademark on that deal. 
Yeah, right. Oh, wait a minute. That's McDowell's, not McDonald's. Exactly. And, and he, doesn't, he doesn't have arches. Do fucking Cali. I'm about to do a Cali hoodie today. There you go. Hey, he doesn't have arches. He has arcs. Oh, right. <laughs> no shit. I'm like, dog. I'm like, damn. I'm like, Zach, is he back at fucking Ohio State or what's going on? No, man. He's just, he's just giving me threaded up with all this, like, I don't want to call it knockoff Ohio State gear, but like, you know, flirting with trademark issues. It's McDowell's. Uh, I'm telling you, it's McDowell's. It is. It is. Like, uh, oh, ice, 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 baby. That's fucking knockoff. I like some fucking rims. I like some spinners. <laughs> hey, uh, these, these bowls have been absolutely horrible, Zach. Uh, you're you're going to get out of here. Your show, when's your show on today at 9? Your, your time? Yeah, uh, yeah, noon uh, my time. These bowls have been absolutely atrocious. I don't know even – I haven't watched one. I just, After Oregon State throttles Florida, I'm just like, dude, I – there's no way I want to watch this fucking game. By the way, Utah throttled Oregon State, and and Florida beat Utah game one. So like, you can't ever look at the you know the the, the crossovers. But uh, how about the Jimmy fucking Kimmel Bowl? Like, we're reaching now, aren't we? Like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? I, uh, hey, Steve, I asked I asked Zach what the short term solution is to these shitty bowls, and what's the long term solution to the big time bowls on the New Year's six games when we have the 12 team playoff. Um, Zach thinks it's just, it's just a joke. You saw the Florida DN just walk up the football field, which is a slap in football's face. In my opinion, like why play uh, like Zach, I got to ask you if your receiver came off the rock like that and he's out in the field in the shitty bowl game, even though it's a shitty bowl game and you're coaching in it and it's your kid, like, Number one, I don't believe it would have happened just because out of the respect for you. I don't believe I would have had a player ever do that with me coaching. No. Um, how can you do that with this cat as the head coach at Florida and not look at him saying, hey, dog, these motherfuckers don't respect you at all? Oh, that's that's exactly what you think immediately. You're like, whoa, we might have some serious issues moving forward because there's, yeah. I've never seen anything like it. Like, it, at least you're going to run hard, right? Like, you might suck. You might run the wrong route, but to give a lack of effort is like the biggest red flag ever in a game. I mean, that's a red flag for me if it's in practice. Yeah. But in a game? No, yes. that's major red flag. Hey, I heard the tackle for Oregon State. They interviewed him and he said, and, I, and it made perfect sense. He's like, yeah, I'm expecting a game. <laughs> and I'm like, no shit. I'm expecting, I would I would have been the same thing. I'm, I'm waiting for the fucking ET, right? Or the text. Yeah. He's like, right. I'm, I'm kind of like, he, he said, and then he's like, he's like, fuck, time's going by. And I'm like, this fucker's just walking. And he's like, ain't nobody else coming to me. And he's not leaving me. So I don't right. think nobody else is coming. He's like, what the fuck's going on? So he's like, fuck it. I, and I go, and, and I want to get a hold of that kid and bring him on. And I say, I want to say, why didn't you fucking run his dick in the dirt? <coughs> right. Like, see, well, that's the difference in philosophy. That's the problem we have nowadays. We don't have that kid to say, all right, you want to go half fast? Fuck you. Woo! And I would have ran his bitch ass to the side like some blindside shit. But we don't have that mentality no more. We well, still coach, don't swap jerseys. Coach, I'm with Zach. Zach, you said last week that um, – if it wasn't a playoff game for Ohio State, just don't play Stroud. Let's see what we got next year at quarterback. I'm Absolutely. with you on that. Uh, I, I was, It is interesting with me, as much as I am a hardcore college football guy, I watch very few of the bowl games. And that's always been the dichotomy with this industry. We are now ruining the best regular season in all of sports by expanding the playoffs. I yeah. think we're watering it down. We're diluting it. But I'm at the point now, if, if let's say Miami would have made a bowl game somehow, let's say they would have gone six and six, I, I would not have started Tyler Van Dyke. No. I would have said, okay, Van Dyke, we kind of know what he is. If he's going to leave, get Jakari Brown or Jake Garcia. 
I don't want him in front of that offensive line, Tyler Van Dyke. But I think that's what's going to start to happen, guys, that these bowl games for most of these teams are going to be the unofficial beginning of spring ball. Absolutely. So if you have some upperclassmen that kind of don't want to play, you know what, sit out, sit out. Let's see what the youngsters have. We don't care about the result. We're not going to market this bowl game to recruits. But let's make this the unofficial beginning of the offseason, a highly paid scrimmage that's televised. Let's not try to get uh, try to get embarrassed. But I would say this, though. Me and Coach have talked about this, Zach, and I don't know how cold-hearted you can be. If you are a player and you decide to sit out the bowl game, is it realistic? Because me and Coach JV talk about this. Okay, Thank you for your efforts, but you're not traveling. You don't get any of the gift bags. You don't get to travel. You're not going to the amusement park. You're not getting any of the perks of the bowl game, but good luck to you. You you have decided to not be a part of them. How would that go over? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that's that's what would happen anyways, right? These kids would probably go start go training. They go to some Exos in San Diego or okay. South Florida and train. And, you know, they, they, they wouldn't be there for the day-in, day-out bowl game experience anyways. Okay. But – but that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Like I think what we watched last year in the Rose Bowl is exactly what bowl games that are not playoff games are going to be. I mean, we watched Marvin Harrison Jr. for the first time ever yeah. just torch a Utah secondary, and it and all it did was build up hype for next year. Like Buckeye fans loved it. They're like, oh my god, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best. It's like, yeah. But if this was five years ago, you would have just watched Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson one more time have great games. It's like for what? They're not going to yeah. be on the team next year. This game doesn't matter. Just let's see. Let's see what Marvin Harrison Jr. can do. Like, let's see what these young kids could do, and then they'll learn a ton in the offseason. Having that film, being able to watch that, see where they struggled and where they need to get better. I just think that's what these bowl games are. They're exhibition games for next year's team. Hey, Steve. Well, I talked to Zach about this. I hope you read the ticker on the bottom. You, you love that Zach Smith ticker down there. <laughs> what does it say? Um, he loves Harbaugh and he loves uh, Tim Brando. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Zach, the transfer portal rankings just came in. I don't know if you saw these. I, I, I almost throw up in my mouth when I hear it, when I have to say the transfer portal rankings by ESPN. Like, you got to be shitting me. So, Michigan right now is the number one transfer portal ranking. Like, so they're in the transfer portal heavy. Is that because Harbaugh's leaving? I don't know. People got to think about it. Florida State's number two, Oklahoma's three, and UCLA is four. Um, does And then you got Iowa, Oregon, Oklahoma State, Utah, Arkansas, and Georgia Tech. I'm sure Dion will be in there very shortly at, at Colorado. Um, do you do you like this, uh, where this is going? We're ranking fucking the portal. I mean, I think I think you have to do it now because you can't sit here and say, oh, Alabama is the number one recruiting class in the country. And you look at Michigan and they just they got six, six NF or six, six starters immediately. Well, that's a better class than Alabama's because they got six guys coming in that are going to start. And um, so you, ha you have to evaluate it. But I think the crazy part is when you look at these numbers, you look at a place like Arizona State, 15 players transferred out. It's like, what is that? 20 percent of your roster is is gone. And now nine kids are coming in. It's like. Kind of like we talked about it with Michigan State. I don't know how good Arizona State's going to be because I don't know anybody they have. I don't know. I don't even know who's on the team. Because they like all have everywhere. Oh, yeah. And you look at Arizona State, Zach. Emory Jones was their quarterback, who I think was a transfer from Florida. Yeah, he was. And I believe he's transferring out, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So that's a kid that's going to have three programs in three years. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, what he, 
Think about this one. JT Daniels is transferring out of West Virginia. He was at USC, at Georgia, at West Virginia. Now he's transferring to a fourth school. Yeah, no, his goal is to play in every conference in America, Zach. (laughs) That's his thing. I believe it. I believe it. (laughs) There's no way. Did you see the the scrimmage after Boise State, North Texas, by chance, two coaches? No, No, I didn't. Yeah, I guess they're up. They're about to scrap, dog. They're about to fucking fight. The de- the head coach, the interim head coach at at at, uh, at North Texas is uh, what's his name? The old rough nucky DC uh, that used to be at Baylor. Uh, yeah. Fuck's his name. I, I'm running a blank. Anyway, him and uh, whoever the guy at Boise is. Apparently, they they were going at it all game. And after this, in the in the handshake line. Uh, I think the head coach of Boise was scared as a fucking whore in church. Uh, Phil Bennett. Phil Bennett was the was the interim for North Texas. Yeah. So used to be at fucking Baylor. He's you know I I know Phil. He's a pretty good dude. But he he, he would have he would have choke fucked the shit out of uh fucking whoever <laughs> that fucking dude is at at uh at Boise. But I don't know. Um, can, uh, last question, Zach. Before you get out of here, Dion is he going to complete? Uh, <laughs> is he going to do what Lincoln Riley did last year? Uh, this first year at Colorado, uh, he, he, I think he can get the skill guys. I don't think he can get the linemen. Well, yeah, that's going to be the issue is the linemen. And, and the other issue is going to be, we'll find out how good his kid is. I mean, he's put a lot of eggs in the, in the basket that his son is some elite quarterback. And it's like, all right, well, let's find out. This is a different level of football now. I mean, Lincoln Riley went out and got the Heisman Trophy winner. Deion Sanders brought his kid with him. <laughs> like, so there, there's a little difference there. Hey, dog, I watched the kid the other day. I wanted to watch him because Matt's like, you know, this guy's legit. I, I wanted to watch him. So I watched him yesterday and, or Saturday, and I'm like, this cat can't play dead in a fucking Western movie. There's no way this kid, there's no fucking way this guy is even close to a high candidate. And I don't see how he's in. There's no way. I don't even see him dominate. I don't even think he is a... And you know the kid left. What's his name? Son transferred out right away when he came in and said, "I'm bringing baggage with me, and it's Louie oh, yeah. and all this old shit." Uh, and my son's the quarterback, like right out the gate, like fuck it. Everyone else he introduced asleep. his. He introduced his son as the starting quarterback at Colorado. He hadn't even transferred out of the Jackson fucking, State. The fucking kid was a Jackson State student at the time. <laughs> like what the fuck? There's no sanctions there, huh? No, no, not if it's your kid, I guess. Hey, uh, NFL. I know tonight, Baker's back, NFC Player of the Week after 48 hours showing up to, in L.A. and winning uh, last week, which I thought was pretty impressive, man, for a no, guy that I, think, I don't think very highly of as far as a player. Uh, he plays Aaron Rodgers tonight. Uh, are, are, are the Packers fucking just ready to tank, or or is Baker going to show who he is? I think Baker looks like fucking hammered shit tonight. Want to bet? No, I believe it. I believe it. You know, it was a weird, a weird uh, dichotomy last week because I'm a Browns fan. I have been my whole life. And just the hate for Baker Mayfield on Browns Twitter, usually when he was the quarterback and even when he's at Carolina, I mean, it was intense. They hate that man. Like, like I, I was worried about his family and things. That's how like, that's how much hatred there was. And then for some reason he goes out to LA and has a great game and I'm going through my social media and Browns fans are elated. They're like, so happy for you, Baker. We love you. And I'm like, what? You all hated that man and wanted to kill his family two years ago. What happened? Hey, I don't know. Uh, I got to get your take, though. Um, Lamar Jackson, did he fuck off 100 mil? Ooh. I know Steve and I are going to talk about it. Uh, 
Did he fuck off a hundred million dollars or more? And 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 Tyler Huntley in there, you know, he looks bad, and the Ravens look bad, and they got beat by the massage therapist the other night, which is a bad telltale set sign that the Ravens may have to implode this roster. Yeah, I mean, they—I saw it live. They looked awful, awful. I mean, oh, you it was, were that, that's the game you're at. That was the game I was at, and I mean, it, it, they looked so bad. No, um, no, no wideouts on the edge, huh? Oh my God, nothing. Nothing. J- bad, I mean, they have J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins looked really good. Other than that, awful. So, does he come back, or do you see Lamar gone? I mean, after what I watched, I think they're going to need to do whatever they can to get him back because <laughs> that Tyler Huntley's not the answer. Well, here's, here's the thing with Baltimore. You've already built a system that is so right. Lamar Jackson-centric. There's, there's really right. no plug-and-play. And here's the other thing. If, if you're a team, guys, that's not the Baltimore Ravens. And if you take that risk of not risk, you make the decision to get Lamar in your building, you have to rebuild your whole offense. That whole yeah. system has to be Lamar Jackson friendly. And then, and Coach, we've talked about this. What if you're a wide receiver and you're thinking, oh, God, my production just went down 33% right off the bat? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know how the other skill players would deal with it. I'm I, I, blocking wide out in the NFL wants to do. Right. It's like I told you, Coach, yesterday, Michael Irvin once told a story. He could never go into Jerry Jones's office and actually negotiate off of, hey, Jerry, you see those great blocks I was throwing downfield for Emmett Smith? That has never gotten a wide receiver paid. It will never happen. Nope. The issue, though, is I, I think Baltimore is wed to Lamar Jackson. And yeah. the question is, instead of being that player that gets nearly a, a half a billion dollar long-term contract, I think the most realistic scenario is whatever he, him and his mother were thinking – shave about one third off of that. Cause there seems to be now physical erosion with Lamar yeah. and see he's going to age differently than most quarterbacks with that style of play. I, if I'm Baltimore, I say, okay, we're not going to pay you as much on the top end. We're also not going a full decade. Let's make this a six, seven year pack with about four of those years guaranteed. That's where I think the dynamics going to change in terms of the negotiations with Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Well, and, and for to further that point, I agree entirely. For him to leave, like someone else has to want him and pay yeah. him that money. Like who who is that desperate? Nobody. It's because like I, being married. You can bitch and moan saying, you know what? I'm not really that happy. And then you get a divorce and you find out that dating market, uh, hanging out at Applebee's on a Friday night at 35 years old. It ain't that much fun, man. No. It ain't that much fun. Hey, Zach, A&M lost so far 30 kids in the portal. What happens? So what happens when you fired. pay millions of dollars to get kids like, that don't play? Looks like he's unfireable at this point. They couldn't come up with the money, so he's going to go through another year. How bad are A and M next year, and how quickly is he fired if they just start off at fucking like zero and three? Well, you got to think at some point there's got to be some kind of bounce back. I'm not saying they're going to be really good, but it can't stay this bad, can it? Like he's got an all star staff. The problem is really Jimbo. His staff is ridiculous. I mean, every every coach on his staff that I know is one of the best I've been around, like DJ Durkin, Steve Adazio. There's a number of them. And at some point, you you just have to believe that Jimbo knows, like, okay, this is not going well. I need to stop fucking this up. Now, maybe he's so narcissistic that he doesn't ever look at it that way. But I just, I feel like they'll bounce back next year to an extent, not not be as abysmal as he's been the last two years. The key yeah, for a and coach... They finally are going to play their best quarterback, with, right. which was the true freshman. Because yes. Tyson King and Brad Johnson's son, they, they, you know, very limited. 
But I think it goes back again to culture. If you are recruiting a five-star top 10 player and he's interested in you, you now you have to ask this hey, kid, are you just coming here for the money? Yeah. Because I think a lot of these kids, they didn't actually want to be there. So there's one thing, you know, as when you're young, you think, oh my God, I'm getting X, Y, Z amount of dollars. It doesn't matter what school I go to. The day you arrive on campus in that first week, you're like, holy shit, I don't want to be here. Yeah. There, I guarantee a lot of those kids already checked out. As soon as they lost to App State, they rebounded with the win over Miami, but then they started losing again. I would I would guarantee you at least half those kids that transferred already said, you know what, I got my money, I'm out of here. Let me go back to the highest bidder. And in yeah. my view, guys, all of those kids, I would put a red flag on them and really examine why are they playing football and why would they possibly want to come to my program? Because they're losing guys that are wanted. My question is now you got to go through the vetting system and say, man, does this kid fit in our program? You have to. And that's going to be kind of the, the dance, the balancing act that college coaches have to do is figuring out, all right, what's the best players we can get, the kids that fit the culture and want to be here? Because, you know, for a kid that doesn't have any money, that money seems like life-changing and, and it fix, it'll fix everything. Like Even if Texas A&M is not the place they love, but all that money, it'll fix it, right? It's, I think about my my marriage, right? When I coached at Marshall making $49,000 a year, we were broke as shit. Had, I had problems at home, and I was like, you know what? It's just we're struggling right now. When we make it, everything will be better. I got to Ohio State making a quarter of a million dollars. The shit got worse. I was like, this fucking sucks. It had nothing to do with money. This, this marriage just sucks. Yeah, that's what you got. Look, take it for this grant. Take it for the, what yeah, it is. Like, money doesn't solve anything. Like, I mean, it solves paying bills, but it doesn't make you happy at a place that you don't want to be at. Makes it fucking worse, you could argue. Yeah. Because everybody wants something. No doubt. Hey, hey, Zach, as you get out of here, Mac, me and C got in a fucking full-blown argument last night. Your favorite sports movie? Mine? Varsity Blues. Oh, Ooh. damn, I mentioned that. as Not my favorite, but I did mention that last night. See, uh, you got to think, now, this is very uh, a personal connection. One, I'm a senior in high school when that comes out. I mean, there's strippers, titties, high school football. I'm playing high school football. It was like... It just had an impact on my life. <laughs> hey, I remember the whole team went to go see the program when I was in high school. We we all did class and went to go see the program to get ready for like. <laughs> That's a good one too. Like a what, what were you? What, what what movies did you guys pick? Well, we went through a bunch of shit. I I went through the best movie of all time, which which shocked the shit out of Steve. Hey, hey, Zach, just you know me. Here's my greatest movie of all time. When I say it, you're gonna be like, oh, it makes sense. Uh-huh. Everyone else is going to say, shut the fuck up, right? Bad Santa, Zach, is the greatest movie ever. <laughs> no. Bad uh, Santa is uh, the greatest movie ever. Oh, yeah, that's that. Uh, that's a that's a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> it fits me, right? Yeah, it does fit you. I, I thought you were going to say Bad Grandpa, but either one. Yeah, Bad Santa. Besides fucking the big fat bitch in the ass, I was all right with their everything else. <laughs> Zach, my all-time favorite old-school football movie, it's on my Mount Rushmore. I don't know if it's my favorite. I don't know if you've ever watched it. It's North Dallas Sporty. Mm, now, I don't have it. And it, it, it's a great – it's a book that – it was from a book called uh, uh, Peter Jan. was a former Dallas Cowboys backup tight end That's in the too 70s. Young. Yeah, well, no, but he actually wrote a book about what's it really like to be a pro athlete. Yeah. And there's a great line in it. And it was delivered by John Matuzek, the former Raider. He played one of the uh, 
one of the players where he gets into it with the coach. They jostle each other. And he basically said, every time I call it a game, you guys call it a business. Every time I call it a business, you guys get, say it's a game. And it, I got to crystallize what professional sports is. Like, is it a business or is it a game? But that one to me is a very raw, real look at professional football. What a brutal industry it can be. Yeah. Zach, varsity really, blues, really, that's it. Number one. That's it. You know, it's you know, it's funny, Steve. John Matuzak played for my grandfather at the University of Tampa. Really? Yeah. Yep. Matuzak was a great character. He did a great job. I know you're saying, hey, he played a football player. No, you actually believe that whole thing. And you know, they talked about like the drug parties, the the sex that would go on. So a lot of people felt that that movie. I know Tech Schramm when he was with the Cowboys hated it. He yeah. felt as though, oh my God, you're ruining our image. This, this, and that, and. <laughs> Um, it actually had a, a young, I think a young Nick Nolte was the uh, wide receiver in that movie. No, and was pretty athletic back then. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, Zach, man, I appreciate you. I won't see you until after the holidays, man. Enjoy. I'm going to go this week and then next week off uh, and through the first. And then uh, I'm going to get my garage ready, man, trying to get this studio going. How's the studio going? Good? It's good, man. I just got to get the aesthetics done. I mean, we, we're, we're in here. All the equipment's in here. We just got to get like a mural painted, you know, start getting some shit set up. I, I got to find the same thing. I got to get me a mural in my deal, get it painted on the wall. How far is it from your house? Uh, like 15 minutes. Oh, okay. So you're there. You're there. You're there early doing everything. Everything. Shout out, man. I appreciate you. Merry Christmas. If I don't talk to you, and then we'll see you after the holiday. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate right, you. Zach. Yep, we'll see you. Uh, Zach Smith. Hey, Steve, I got to get into this fucking – there's no way that – so we got into an argument last night, everybody. Uh, agreements, uh, you know, disagreements create great conversation. Steve and I were talking about shows. Now, I don't know how many old heads are in this chat right now. We got 500 people in here. I want to ask you guys, if anyone in here knows about the White Shadow, please raise your hand because oh. I bet you half of you do not. Uh, Steve and I agreed on the White Shadow being a great uh, series and show and sitcom. And we got into arguments over a lot of these things. Uh, greatest sports movies. We both have The Natural in there. Yes. Uh, we also have some other some other key arguments, uh, you know, that eh, we, we kind of uh, disagree with and agree with. Steve, I don't know. Some of your takes last night. I know we were kind of intoxicated, but some of <laughs> your takes uh, had me baffled. You know, I was about to tell you the same thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> Hey, the program, the, the the natural. Those are easy. They got they got to be in there. Uh, people in the chat are saying Sandlot. Ah, Sandlot's more of a Stand by Me vibe. Yeah, uh, the Karate Kid, personal favorite uh, of mine. Said, Steve said the Karate Kid. That's a great right? movie. I gotta, I gotta, there's no way, and that's your favorite movie of all time. I've watched that at least five hundred times. It's one of those movies that if it's on cable, come on. The, the, Danny LaRusso wore like a replica West Chandler jersey. And then he got chased down by the Cobra Kai and the Halloween party. And old ass Miyagi came out there like Spider-Man. And guy, well, he was just whipping the ass of those white guys with that karate. I'll say hey, one I thing. Steve last night. I asked him how it was to make the movie Goonies. Steve um, <laughs> told me that was not me, fucker. And so I was like, oh, my bad. Uh, yeah. I was in gung-ho. I was in gung-ho, asshole. Okay, let's get that right. Now, gung-ho. Hey, a lot gung -ho. of people don't know about gung-ho. Gung-ho is one of the greatest movies ever. 
Gung Ho was hilarious because Hunt Stevenson, played by Michael Keaton, his 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 uh his motivational speech was the state title. We're down by 16 at halftime, and we're gonna make a comeback. And then he had to make 15,000 cars, and at the end, the last car falls apart in front of the CEO, and Michael Keaton delivers the classic line, Hey, I don't know about you. I thought it ran great. That, that's a funny movie. I thought that was hilarious when he's doing the slideshow to the Japanese uh, company. And he and he says, hey, love what you've done with this place. My uncle visited here in the 1940s. <laughs> it's talking about World War II. So that, I, that, that's another movie. Anytime it comes on, the channel does not change. Oh, God damn. Uh, Major League, you did mention Major League. Yes. <laughs> One of the fan favorites here in the show. Uh, they also mentioned uh, Victory with uh, about Pele. That um, was a soccer movie, and I think Sylvester Stallone was in that one, right? That was in like the early '80s. Yeah, I think so. I vaguely uh, remember that. I think I think Stallone played the goalie or something because he had no skills. And we mentioned pitch. a movie though that nobody knows about: Victory Quest. I mean, uh, Vision Quest. The great soundtrack with Madonna. I think everyone that wrestled in high school and college in the 1980s must have rewatched that thing to death. That was a good movie, by the way. I like that movie. I, I got to remember the Titans in there um, as yes. one of my favorite. Um, oh, Longest Yard, the original Longest Yard. The original Longest Yard. I got Replacements, actually, as one of my uh, – I like Replacements. And then we also mentioned uh, – what was the one where the old quarterback – Oh, necessary roughness. Necessary roughness, man. I, it's classic. With North, it was the North Texas Armadillos. Armadillos. And I, I, and I remember the premises. They were on NCAA probation, <laughs> so the new coach has to clean it up, and he basically has to do like these tryouts. And and Sinbad, I hope he's doing well. Sinbad was like the star lineman, but the kicker was Kathy Ireland. Remember that the model, the kicker. And I remember they and had that fast black guy. Had to take a shower to, uh, alone. Yeah, and I remember uh, they had that one uh, character was the fast black guy. It was a white. He couldn't catch the ball to save his life. Yes, he <laughs> had. <laughs> yeah, what was his name? Uh, Winslow or something like that. I forgot his name. Yeah, he was. They kept throwing him the ball. He's wide open. If I can catch the ball, and fuck. How, how about how about? Uh, I gotta ask you. Rudy was in there. Uh, a lot of people are saying Rudy. I wasn't a big Rudy guy. I like Rudy. I like the sentimental value of it. Notre Dame, the the legend of Notre Dame, uh, Sar you know, Parsegian and all that. I, I, you know, but I just wasn't uh, into it. You did mention Hoosiers. Love uh, Hoosiers. That's another one. When it comes on, I don't change it. Here's the thing about Rudy that I hated. That came out in 1993, right around the time that Notre Dame beat Florida State in the game of the century that year on NBC. And, you know, I hate Notre Dame. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the year they're going to win a national title and Rudy comes out. The, the thing with Rudy is if you talk to some of the players that were involved in that team, I think with Coach Devine, there was a lot of, like, li um, creative liberties taken. Like, I don't think like I don't think everyone turned in their jersey and said, Rudy plays or we're leaving. Really? You're going to give up your scholarship over a walk-on yeah, getting one snap? Too. Yeah, I mean, really? Who the hell's doing that? That's, I don't expect anyone to do it. it. That probably didn't happen. Um, yeah, the movie that you mentioned. What was that one again? Um, which one? The movie you mentioned after Rudy. I'm getting old um, here. Um, fuck. What did I say? Uh, Hoosiers. Oh, loved Hoosiers. I think there's uh, a lot of great uh, lessons in that. Own. Well, you know, the funny thing is with um, 
Gene Hackman, I've asked this of Mario. How many bad movies has he ever been in? I, I think everything he's in is quality for some reason. Like, no matter what the genre, no matter what the style of movie, no matter what year, if Gene Hackman is in it, most likely it's a pretty good movie regardless. And I, and we had Wildcats, right? Goldie Hawn? Yes. Wildcats. Some housewife takes over a high school team in the inner city and leads them. That's believable. But it was funny. It hey, was funny. in that movie, though, that was a classic lineup. There were some young cats in there end up being great actors later on. Woody Harrelson. Yeah, Woody was in there. Yeah, the quarterback. Uh I got to ask you, uh, I appreciate you coming on this morning. Uh, there is no Whitlock today, right? Whitlock is taking the rest of the year off, and I believe he will return on January 3rd. Got you. Um, so so Steve and I said, let's fuck it. Let's come on this show, and we'll got to get our we'll get our takes in since Whitlock's not having us on today. Micah Parsons uh, comes out and questions Jalen Hurts with uh, Von Miller on a podcast, basically saying, I think it's the team, not him. Well, I don't know if you've heard Rex Ryan this morning on Get Up, did you? No, I have not. He said that the Cowboys are soft as shit. Ooh. And he said, stop comparing them to my father's Bears team. Woo! He said that the guy came out and talked shit about Hurts, but if you look at the last three games, they have one sack. So he's like, why are you guys so talking shit about this great defense? They haven't done anything. And if you really look at their wins, they're against these teams. After Cooper Rush sat down, they're against a fucking horrible bottom half of the NFL. And they've really done nothing as far as this great pass rush says they're supposed to do. Um, he thinks the Eagles are going to boat race them after they lose last night to the Trevor Lawrence-improved Jacksonville Jaguars, who I think – Right now, I got to be honest with you, Steve. If I were a GM and I got to pick quarterbacks right now, after seeing a good two years of work, and I do agree with your take, Trevor Lawrence last year, yes. I, I agree, I think is a is a – I'm not counting that year against him. He looks completely different with an NFL coach this year. I would have to take Joe Burrow at one and Trevor Lawrence at two if I'm building a program right now. Coach, uh, one thing about Rex Ryan, I, I think he has a point. If you watch the Cowboys this year, they've been gashed in the run game defensively. They don't hold a, line, a point of attack very well, and their run fits aren't good. And the other issue is Dak is starting to turn the ball over. The last month or so, he's not protecting the ball. Now, that last interception, I don't know whose fault it was. I, I don't know. But, look, you watch that game for large stretches, the – Best quarterback, I thought, was the young kid, Sunshine. And he is getting to the top of his drop. And when that ball comes out on time, Lawrence does surgery. He does absolute surgery. Uh, he can hit every point of the field. And it was funny. We were actually switching over the games near your barbecue, your bar area. When he decided to act like Josh Allen and fumble, we thought, oh, God, you got to know this, Trevor. You're still a white quarterback. Just, just slide. We thought the game was over, and somehow they came back. He, they are building something really special. They got an adult that coach now with Coach Peterson. They surrounded him with some pretty solid receivers like Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. Guys who aren't great, but they're solid, and he's getting real professional coaching, which he did not get last year. There's no doubt about it. When you look at Lawrence, that is a cornerstone player. The Jaguars have their quarterback. They didn't mess that one up. 
And compared to some of the more recent number one picks like Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jared Goff, Lawrence, I think, is the and him and Burrow are by far the two best number one quarterback picks of the last decade, in my view, coach. Yeah, I wouldn't argue that. It's going to be interesting to see his growth. Uh, they're going to surround Jacksonville with better players. Their defense is not anything to take lightly. Uh, they're a team that's still in the playoff hunt. Um, Jacksonville's a scary team right now with the way Trevor's playing, and uh, if they can mix in the run a little better, um, you know, I would I would like to see that. Uh, but you know, it kind of goes back to Josh Allen. Ball security's job security. I kept saying it yesterday as we watched these games. These quarterbacks holding the ball like a loaf of bread out there. It's just, to me, it is coaching 101. I just can't grasp the fact that these $100 million prima donna quarterbacks will not fucking protect the football. It is blowing my mind. And we're seeing bad football being played at all levels. Um, Tom Brady came out on fire last night. I think that uh, I said, number one, Tro Burrow is my favorite MVP guy right now. Uh did he surpass Jalen Hurts in your opinion, or do you still have Jalen at one? You know, when you are the quarterback of a team that is what now, 13 and one, you know the way it works. The MVP has now basically been distilled to who is the face of the franchise that has the best season. And if he's a quarterback, that seems to give you two steps. You know, we were watching a lot of that Eagles game together. And look, Jalen was okay yesterday, but a lot of – I'm not saying he never pushed the ball downfield, but he does so much of the stuff, and you've charted this, that is like bubble screens, shuttle screens, smoke screens, uh, you know, hitches. They're not – look, and they have a great roster. They really do, and they do a great job of dialing up plays where it's all of a sudden it's a one-on-one -on -one matchup with Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown. But in terms of what he's asked to do, Inside the pocket, Joe Burrow does a lot more than Jalen Hurts. That's the reality. You can look at he the film. Close of an O-line as Jalen has. Right. And I think right now you'd have to say that Jalen Hurts is the MVP because he produces and he wins. But if you were, again, that, that's the question you just brought up. If you were starting a franchise and you said that's your quarterback for the next 10 to 12 years, who do you take, Burrow or Hurts? As much as I like Hurts, I think that's a relatively easy question. It's Joey B. I take Trevor Lawrence over Hurts, too. Yes, I don't disagree I don't with that think either. Hurts can translate or transition into if you if I did it, if we played a game and ring around the Rosie and I said Jalen Hurts, if I roll the fucking dice and you end up in Jacksonville, I think Jalen Hurts is god awful. If I roll the dice and I put him in Houston, I think he's fucking god awful in Houston, just like Mills is. If I roll the dice and put his ass in Arizona, I think Arizona can actually benefit from a Jalen Hurts because I think he could move the ball, and, and I think he's mechanically a little bit more cerebral and he's better than what Kyler Murray is, and he's still working on a rookie contract. Kyler just signed the fucking huge one, and he's not even available for their team, which is just another slap in the face of this NFL. Uh, the reason I, we give this money to these kids so early is just killing me. And that's why we're continuing to see least, uh, less investment, less give a shit. Why you see the Florida DN walking up the field? It is just trickling, Steve. I'm telling you. I'm telling you it's trickling all over the place because of the fucking culture. Uh, Eagles play the, uh, the, the Cowboys. Uh, it was interesting to hear Rex Ryan this morning. Um, 
Cowboys just lost a game looking ahead, it looks like. Uh, they were looking ahead, and they were talking shit. And I just – I see it every year. Talk shit about a team that you're not even playing yet, and then you still have to beat a team that puts their leg, their pants on one game a leg at a time like you do and still get a paycheck on the 1st and 15th. Jacksonville showed up, got a win. Big one last night. Dallas is now reeling. Dak Prescott, to me, does the dumbest shit late in games that I've ever seen from a quarterback that is so highly praised. That is why I'm so low on the guy. They're up 27-10 into the second half, and you're thinking, okay, you know the Jaguars, they're not going to be able to establish the run the way they want to, so ATN's not as big a factor. That's a game you have to win. You're up three possessions in the second half. You got to win that game, especially when you're fighting for playoff positioning now. Look, they're not going to catch the Eagles. The Eagles look destined to be the home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So if you're a team like the Cowboys, you have to make sure the Niners don't catch you. So I don't want to hear, well, that's not a must-win. It's a must-win game. Because if you are the seeds two through five, six, or seven, you are now trying to at least get a bye week or a home a home field game for round number one because it absolutely matters. Like you look at Buffalo, Coach, with that weather, you don't think that they were treating that game like a playoff game? Like they're going to make the playoffs, probably going to win the AFC East. But they are a team, in my view, especially as it turns up even colder in Buffalo, I think they're a very tough out, Coach. That if there's ever a year that Buffalo is going to make that Super Bowl run again with Josh Allen, it's going to be this year if they get the home field advantage. Because, again, yes, they've beaten Kansas City this year. But, again, I would much rather face Patrick Mahomes when it's cold and windy and hard surface, snowing, hopefully, than you would having to go back to Arrowhead. So all of these games matter. I'm not a believer in Allen. I like him. He's a freak of nature. I think he does dumb shit late in the game. I don't think he's ready for the big time. I think the lights get too bright for Josh, which is the it factor. I don't know if he has it. I think he has it athletically. He has it. Uh, he does big. He makes big plays in big games, but he doesn't get the job done. He doesn't finish the job. He, he He's too risky for me. I, I, I hate it. Knock on wood. I hate to see it, but I, he's a risk away. He's a he's a one injury away from ending that whole franchise's fucking future. And 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 I could see it happening because he does too many things. They run the football with him way too much for a guy that, that for a team that has no fucking backup. All right. Case Keenum, I believe, is their backup. Um, so they are one one horse collar away or one rolled ankle or knee. Um, in a risky offense because they just don't run the football enough with their backs. They 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 single Terry's there, they got cooked, they they don't run the football as much as they should. And I think that's recipe for disaster versus a team like the Bengals, Chiefs, um, anyone like that that I think can come in there and play stout defense up front and stop the run, force you to make 70 throws a game like Allen and the Bills love to do. You're going to be playing in snow if you are at home. Um, I, I don't know, man. I'm not on the Bills bandwagon just yet. I, I, have Coach, to, I have to see more. I thought Mike McDaniel overcoached it. They were gashing him with Rasheen Mostert. Yeah. They've lost three in a row, by the way, Steve. Yeah. I didn't understand why the Dolphins. 
run the ball more. I mean, from the very beginning, they were really running the ball well, creating big plays. And as it got to the red zone, they stopped running the ball. And I'm thinking, you know, I know you're one of those guys with all those fancy plays. You got great schemes. I would have kept handing the ball off until they stopped me. And they, they really didn't do that. I actually felt for large stretches of that game, the Dolphins were the better team. I'm a big Josh Allen fan. I think he gets a little bit of a bad rap on that. Coach, if last year in that playoff game, that classic game against Kansas City, if they just squib the ball late, we're probably talking about Josh Allen. What a legend. He outdueled Patrick Mahomes. Instead, I thought they mismanaged managed that situation by not taking a few seconds off the clock because with Mahomes, every second counts, and that game ended up going into overtime. One thing about Allen I don't like, and you've touched upon this a lot, I call him Evil Knievel. He's a daredevil, which is terrible as a quarterback. He is so reckless out there that it, when he gets the ball into the open field, he doesn't run like a quarterback. He runs like a big tight end, crashing into people, hurtling over people. And I'm just like, you know what, just get down. Then he tries a swim move with the football in his arm, and I'm thinking, geez, yeah, he the way they use him, we have to be fair about this. We talk about the sustainability of Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson. We have to question Josh Allen. He plays a very physically strenuous game of football. I don't know if he's really built for the long haul playing that game. I agree. Uh, Kaiser in here said Tua played, showed up in the snow. Nobody could say shit about Tua. Well, what I could say about Tua is he's fucking inaccurate as shit. Yeah. Inaccurate as shit. People don't, even on the touchdown to Waddle, who outran everybody because he's faster than everybody on the field besides Tyreek Hill, which is arguable. Uh, the ball was late. It was slow. It slowed him down. Every single fade ball was late. Threw him down. Slows him down. He threw a crosser to Tyreek Hill, which is fucking six yards behind him. He is not very accurate. Stop it. Miss me with this whole accurate shit. He's not very accurate. And he has a fucking minor league arm in a major league game. He doesn't have the big boy arm to sustain himself in bad weather football games, Steve, where we're going to play in Buffalo again. Miami might have to go back up there or Kansas City or Cincinnati. Every single one of those uh, cities is going to be snowing in December. So I don't know if Tua, Tua's only hope, in my opinion, was to play in 80-degree Miami weather in December. And they're like, they're like that classic dome team of the 80s. Remember what they used to say about Warren Moon? Miami, they did Minnesota. all that stuff in the regular season, the Astrodome. They ran the run and shoot. Look, I like Tua, but I understand his limitations. If you actually watch a lot of the highlights of the Dolphins, even on those 65, 75-yard explosive plays where the ball is thrown to the third level and beyond, there are too many plays, and Coach, you're right, where Waddle and Hill are just waiting for the football. You rarely see them running through a pass where it's caught in stride on time where they can accelerate through the ball. That That is, look, McDaniel does a great job of scheming up plays, a lot of eye candy. When, when they get the run game going, they have wide, wide alleys that are open. But there are times that even on the completed passes, the receivers are waiting on the football. That's a fact. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, you know, fuck, man. I don't 
I just don't – I'm not a believer. People want to jump on the bandwagon because they win a couple games here and there. Well, they've lost three in a row. they got a weirdo fucking head coach, Mike McDaniel. I'm not a believer in. I want to see how he handles losses and adversity. I'm curious to see how this locker room is going to accept this weirdo-looking kid on the <laughs> sideline after they've lost three in a row. I'm curious on this. I know he says the right political things afterwards. Well, if without adversity, we wouldn't be playing in the NFL and da-da-da-da-da. Well, the players don't want to hear that shit. The players want to hear wins and losses. They lost three in a row. Um, Tua now, it seems like, okay, he had a great winning record, just like Jimmy G um, in his career. But now Tua's hit a few few bumps in the road here. I'm curious to see how Miami uh, does that. They, they went on a West Coast trip, and they they might have stayed out West too long. He didn't even go back to Miami after that. Like, got drubbed by 49ers. They stay. They lose to the Chargers. They go back home. Then they have to travel to Buffalo in the snow. Mm. Miami is reeling right now, and it is hard to get grown men to reset and hit the reset button and get started over, and that's what Miami's going to have to do. I don't know if McDaniel's a guy that can get that reset button pushed uh, with a bunch of grown men. So we're going to see. Going on over to the Niners, though, Steve, Purdy. Hector mm-hmm. in the chat says Purdy has a noodle arm. Me and, me and Hector and I were talking about this last week. Is he the second coming of Jimmy G? He 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 has a quicker release, but he's very very similar to Jimmy G's mechanical mechanically. Um, does he have more of an it factor than Jimmy G? It's yet to be determined. Jimmy G still has one of the highest winning percentages ever. We can't forget it. Uh, but he seems like a much better athlete than Jimmy G. He seems like he has a little bit of understanding of what's going on, which he which is. You know, ironic. It tells me a lot about his professionalism, Steve. That means he was doing something while he was watching because he knows the protection. He, he's anticipatory. He's making great anticipatory throws. Uh, he's getting the ball to McCaffrey a lot more than Jimmy G got him to him. But I still think Debo Samuel is going to hurt them, and I still don't know if their roster is good enough on the perimeter to beat a, a Philly team or even a Dallas team uh, where you have to stretch the field horizontally and vertically they only have Debo and Ayuk, and those guys are 5'11", 5'10", 6 foot. They don't have the outside stretch to fill guy, and I just think no. if they're going to load the box and make this utility guy, Debo Samuel, beat you, and now we know he's injury prone uh, after running the football with them up in the middle so much uh, where Jerry Rice came out and talked yeah. shit. And I'm like, Jerry Rice, shut the fuck up. But anyway, what's your take on, on Purdy? Well – Purdy is a reasonable facsimile of Jimmy G at the very least. One thing I do like about him, he makes quick decisions, and he plays with a lot of moxie. And I think he uses his feet a lot more. Like, he processes things pretty quickly. But we have to be clear about this. The nucleus of this current offense is McCaffrey. As McCaffrey goes, so goes that offense. And I finally finally saw it, and they need to do this more. Kittle needs to be dialed up more in the downfield passing game. He is such a unique, explosive athlete that when he gets that ball, I've seen him run away from defensive backs at his size. I mean, just run away from them. So as long as they can consistently get second and five, second and six, and then you start setting up play action with Purdy and understand, look, there, there are limitations. He doesn't have a rocket arm. You may not be able to just throw that go route or the deep post as easily as you want, but he's serviceable. 
I mean, Coach, I thought it said a lot to me when he came in two weeks ago as the backup against the Dolphins. They threw the ball 37 times. Now, I don't care what type of throws those are, but if you're dialing up 37 times right off the bench cold, that shows me that Shanahan has some sort of trust in that kid. I like this kid. They seem to play hard for him. And with that roster, let's take a look at the complimentary football. The way that defense is playing, Coach, all you need to do is not turn the ball over and trying to produce 17 to 21 points. Coach, that might be enough to win a lot of games with Brock Purdy. Just that complete formula. McCaffrey gets the load of the carries, a couple shots to Kittle. Don't turn it over. Let's try to get the 20 points. We have a good shot at winning. It's not that complicated with that defense. Tonight... Baker plays Aaron Rodgers. I think he's – I know you made a comment yesterday. You're like, man, I'm surprised. I was like, what show am I watching? Matt McChesney's trying to change with his portal take, and I'm take, I'm talking wow. to about Baker Mayfield. I know you were confused on what show. <laughs> I you're... didn't know who you guys were at that point. Did you, like, did you think you were watching – did you think you were watching the Christian fucking uh, network? I was like, jeez. Of all a dream, I wore Red Word Up magazine. I was like, wow, who are you guys? Biggie Smalls. Hey, yeah. let me ask you, Baker. I think he comes back to reality today, and he's going to be yes. a actor once again. He's going to be on all state commercials or whatever commercial he does a great job at. I think that's what he's is destined to do. Um, I think he looks like shit tonight. I think the. I think he's. He, I just don't see him being the guy to just fucking come in and just oh shit, Baker mania. We're gonna fucking. He's gonna carry the Rams. I think he looks like shit again tonight. Look, now you're now I think they're back on the road, right? This game's at Green Bay. Uh let me look. I'm yeah. pretty sure they've been playing at home for a while. Yeah, I think this oh, game's yeah. at Green Bay. And so it's gonna be cold, it's gonna be the elements on the frozen tundra. Green Bay is still kind of sort of sneak into a wild card situation. Yeah, Lambo, and, 20 degrees. Yeah, so that that right there is 10 points in the favor of Green Bay. Here's the thing I want to see with uh with the Packers. Christian Watson has come on like gangbusters the last six weeks, Coach. This guy is a touchdown machine, a long-striding sprinter. I want. I, I actually think that he is kind of making this a little bit more fun for Aaron Rodgers. Because, you know, what, what's the knock on the Packers? They never get Aaron Rodgers' help. They don't go to the free agency. They don't spend first-round draft choices. But this season, Romeo Dobbs, who got hurt, showed flashes. Watson is absolutely showing that, hey, I can play this game at a high level. I like the Packers. I would say 31-17, because let's be honest, even with that miracle finish last week by the Rams, Coach, they're playing out the string. They've got nothing to play for. They're basically down to their fourth quarterback of the year, and history shows us when you get to your fourth quarterback of the year, your season is over. I agree with you. Um I, I think they're done. I hope Stafford's not done completely, but they look bad. Um, I, I don't know if you saw this. I posted this deal about this kid. Um, people think I'm attacking him. I'm not. I just I just tell the truth. What's your take on this kid? I know you know what's going on here. Uh, this Oregon kid, nine seasons of eligibility. Um, I've been I've been blown up by everybody, even the media. Uh, from Oregon fucking media people, I had to block them, Steve. I'm like, are you shitting me? Uh, 
And then I retweeted it, and I'm like, where did I attack this kid's character? I said, all I said was, it's fucking time to hang him up. I never said he's a bad kid or nothing. So what is your take about this nine-year guy? Yeah, I, I don't – look, good luck to him. Hopefully, He might be the first college football player ever to get tenure at a university. Um, you know – Nine years. I didn't think it was possible. I, I know you get like a red shirt year. You might get a medical red shirt. You get the super season of 2020. I look, obviously, this young man probably thinks, look, I'm not going to play in the National Football League, but I want to extend my football experience. But nine years. I mean, we've heard of professional students. I, you know, look, maybe he just really loves Oregon football. He loves the college football life. But I, I didn't understand that. Look, I guess there's a heartwarming story involved. But there is other side. You're a coach. You're like, hey, kid, you're kind of taking up a roster spot. I kind of need that scholarship after a while. I didn't. Look, did you take the politically correct stance and say, oh, good luck? No, you didn't. But guess what? You're allowed to not feel that way. Like, you know, what's funny is that um, on Saturday night, I'm watching this fight. It was on Showtime between uh, Frank Martin and Michelle Rivera. And I just tweeted. Frank Martin looked really good. He's a he's an elite 135-pounder. Uh, as for the other guy, I'd never want to see him again. And then Al Bernstein of Showtime, you know, he was on the broadcast playing houseman. goes, oh, that's not the right attitude. Why? Because he lost. And I just said to Al, I retweeted his tweet. I said, Al, the act of participation or effort by itself is not to be lauded. Performance matters. And this is what really bothers me is that we have to – say things that we may not mean um, and hold back the bluntness or the honest truth to have a feel-good story. The bottom line is this. There are boxers that I say I never want to watch again. They just don't do it for me. They're not entertaining. They're not particularly great or exciting. Now, you could say that's a little bit harsh. You, I wouldn't even argue with you, but my point would be, well, if you want to watch that guy, go ahead. I just personally wouldn't want to. And, and so your view is, it's time for this guy to move on. What's wrong, what's wrong with that? Do we all have to agree? Uh, and I just know reality. Uh, the NFL is getting guys in two or three years. They're not going to get them in nine years. I, I, I'm not – everybody comes attacking like they're mad at me about saying it, that, like it's if I'm saying the kid doesn't need to be in college. I didn't say that. But you know what? Are you going to be the first fucking player coach of all time? Are you going to be the fucking OC here soon at Oregon? Like, holy shit, man, it's nine years in. Let's go, let's go do something else. But you know, I'm the asshole. Um, I, I, I love saying things that are truthful that that people like, oh, you're an asshole, you're insensitive. No, I'm not. You're just soft as pussy. Uh, that's what we really have going on out here, but no one wants to say it. Uh, Steve, I mentioned a lot of things about weed and the fact that we are always injured, we always have these soft tissue, and stress fractures. There's two things. I say, weed and Taco Bell. <clears throat> and ironically, have you seen the latest? Taco Bell is the only fast food place I roll up to with no ordering game plan. I just get to the menu and let it speak for me. <sighs> This is what's happening here, Steve. I said it the other day. I was just fucking around, but I said, I think Taco Bell has some real shit in their food. And I think <laughs> if you mix that with the shit that's in the weed nowadays, 
<laughs> fucked up individual. And it's clear. I'm glad the Texas A&M kids just approved that Taco Bell is the main fucking reason here, Steve. That's like if you're a Division One athlete, which makes you pretty elite, your body is your temple. Your body is your vehicle. Your body is like a fine sports car, right? And that's like taking a Maserati or a Bugatti and putting in like the cheapest fuel you can from Costco, okay? That's not exactly the performance-enhancing uh, substance that you need. Um, yeah, I have not gone to Taco Bell in years. I have not made a run for the border in at least 15 years. Uh, and if I do get that type of like a fast food, Mexican food, because it's not really Mexican food, I always get Del Taco, specifically the one in Barstow, where all the gas stations are. Because it's halfway between L.A. and Las Vegas. So my drives to Vegas when I cover a fight, I always go to that Del Taco because it's like the original Del Taco. It's actually famous. And the food is really good. But I, this is interesting. As a scholarship athlete coach nowadays, don't you get your meals? Don't you get a meal card? And they take care of you at the cafeteria. And you can basically eat what you want all the time. Steve, Wait. they're not listening to me. No one's listening to me. What? is the number one food that you treat as the munchies after your highest shit, Taco Bell. Yeah. Taco Bell is the number one college fucking place when you're high as shit. And you know damn well, every one of these fuckers are, are smoking these vape pens with weed in it and all this shit. And we don't know what it's doing. But I want to show you this. Guess who's hurt again? Uh -oh. The bleeder of all bleeders. Anthony Davis, out for a month or two or more. I mean, come on, man. Like, What are we doing? This guy is a fucking bleeder. Him and CP2 are the biggest bleeders in, in NBA for history. Wasn't Anthony Davis about a week or two ago on this historic run of points? He might, have been, he, like, he might have been playing better than anyone in the NBA. Right. He was like looking like Wilt Chamberlain, the 40, 50-point games, dominating and thinking, oh, hey, maybe the Lakers can do something. And you know it had to end. In, in boxing, we call a guy that gets knocked out a lot or can't take a punch, we say that he has a glass jaw. Anthony Davis has a glass body. This is what it is. And look, he's. I will say this one thing about Anthony Davis. He at least has unscheduled load maintenance because the days of him, when was the last time he played 75 games? Forget 82. It has, to, I don't remember the last time he actually played a relatively healthy full season where you knew night in, night out, hey, we can depend on this guy for 82 games. Um, so I want, I'd like to, I want to look this up. When was the last time he played 65 games? Well, I know this. Kawhi Leonard's actually played less games than AD in the last three years. <laughs> so who's worse? Who's worse? AD or Kawhi Leonard load managing? Give me the guy that gets, you know what? Who's worse? That's a tough one. That's how, neither uh, good. how hard is it when you can't even answer off the top of the tongue because this is how fucked up we are in yeah. society. I would, whew. I, you know what? I see, Paul, Paul Del P is not much better. 
No, but I could at least rely on Kawhi to be available. Now, whether he wants to play or not is different. What's that old saying? Availability is ability. I just, if when you look at Anthony Davis at any time, you cannot build a long-term plan around him. And so when people say, should the Lakers trade Anthony Davis? I say in theory, maybe, but here's the question, coach. Who would want that? Because you have no idea what you are getting at that point. You're getting an injury-prone part-time player. That's the reality with him. Um, let me let me add Matt in here. Matt, what's up, man? Morning. Morning. Hey, we had Zach on earlier. We were talking about Dion and uh, Sanders' son. Um, I, I heard you comment last week uh, that you thought he would be a Heisman candidate. So I said, oh, you know, I haven't watched him fairly enough. Let me go watch him. He's horrible. <laughs> well, I don't know how you're going to think him. In, he's not even going to be one quarterback, a little less a Heisman. What is your take? Go ahead and fight me on this. I mean, you you think everybody sucks, so I I can't I can't sit here and act like I would expect you to think he could play. I, I fairly watched him, man. I watched him for you, brother. Hey, I well, had I, you taught me to. I I think that every single quarterback out there a quarterback expert guru like yourself is going to find something to nitpick. Hey, I gave Baker credit. Once, <laughs> like for five minutes. <laughs> so I, I just, look, I think that Shador has a lot of growth to do. The Jackson state is not, is not Colorado. Uh, you know, the, the, no offense to the HBCUs, but it's not the PAC 12. Um, the Pac-12 is deep and it's good and there's a lot of good teams and they cannibalize each other. And I expect that to happen again next year um, with the last year of SC and UCLA being in the conference. I'm just saying this. You don't necessarily need, and I hate that I'm saying this, but it's true and you know it is. You don't necessarily need to be a technician and like a perfect pocket quarterback in, in college football to be good. In fact, you can be really, really shitty at a lot of different stuff that quarterback gurus and quarterback coaches and quarterbacks all say like, Hey, this is pretty bad. Yet those guys are, you know, in college football, you know, playoffs and big bowl games and winning awards. So, you know, I don't, is is Max Dugan a really good player? I don't know. He just seems like another quarterback to me is Stetson Bennett really good or does he just fit his system? So I think that the system they're bringing in Shador fits it perfectly you know, Travis Hunter went into the transfer portal last night. He's coming to Colorado. Um, look, I, I as a as a Buff alum and a fan and a guy who played there when we were fucking crushing people back in the day, um, I am. I don't know if I've ever been happier. And I'm about to start talking so much shit. I mean, if they if they don't live up to it next year, I'm going to look like an idiot. But I don't even care right now. Just the opportunity to to, to gas people up and the have you seen the amount of hate between Boulder and Lincoln on social media the last two weeks since no. Mike Rule and Dion got the jobs? No, but I, I want to know this. Why Colorado are the white boy fucking up the HBCU game? Well, <laughs> I mean, it did catch the ball. But I thought Sanders handled that correctly. But, like, Colorado and Nebraska, the rivalry is real right now, and they've got the number one player from Nebraska in – and Boulder, you know, posing in front of Lamborghinis and shit. And look, I, I understand that that doesn't mean anything, and I'm not real big on 
the relevance between a car and recruiting, but it seems to be working. And look, I, I don't really want to talk about the transfer portal all morning or anything like that, but it is being, it's working very advantageously to, for my program right now, which I dig. And it's worked for three of my guys big time too. Drake Nugent, the outstanding center from Stanford, signed with Michigan yesterday, which is a massive get for them. They just reloaded that position, another pro. Casey Roddick, uh, one of my guard centers, signed with Florida State last night, which is a massive opportunity for him to go finish his career down in Tallahassee. And then uh, the the old center at CU, Austin Salsa Johnson, just signed with Charlotte and followed follow Coach Devan uh, down there to the Sunbelt Conference. So there, Pierce Hawley, the outstanding quarterback from Georgetown, actually signed with Eastern Illinois, uh, the same place that Romo and Garoppolo played. So I'm pretty pumped for him. So there's a lot of benefits to the transfer portal, and there's a lot of negatives. And I'm very interested to see where it goes moving forward. The dead period starts tomorrow. So yeah, let me ask you, Steve. Let me ask you and Steve and Matt. Let me ask you guys this. I think Dion is going to struggle with getting the top echelon talent at quarterback and wideout unless I know something. I don't know what is going on. Maybe he's already said, you know what, son, you're going to have to compete and we're going to recruit to out recruit you. Now, if he's telling them that and does it, I get I have utmost respect for Dion well, and what he's doing. I because will say this. He's the head coach, and he has to bring in the best players, not depend on his son and not recruit quarterbacks like Nebraska just stole from Ohio State, the number one player in America. So, that is a huge gift for Rule. Huge. And Zach said it best. It's 12 months away, bro. We got 12 months of NIL money to be thrown around before this kid really commits to NIL to Nebraska. Do you get the sense that Dion is separating himself as father and coach, or is he all in with his Shador and and going to pass on guys? Right now, he's all in on Shador, but he's not passing on anybody either. He had the – I can't remember the kid's name, but the Kansas committed quarterback was in yesterday in Boulder. He's a four-star quarterback. They're trying to flip him. So they're actively – you know, they're actively recruiting the shit out of kids – but Shador is the guy next year. I mean, that's period. He said it at the press conference. He's going to be the guy. One thing that Dion needs to understand, and I'm I'm really I'm like torn on this, is I want him to understand the history and the relevance of certain rivalry games and you know certain types of atmospheres in Boulder. But I also hope that he's aware of the scar that Dan Hawkins and Cody Hawkins left yeah. on Colorado. Because Tyler or Tyler Henson and a, a bevy of quarterbacks were better than Cody when he was here. And I'm not hating on Cody. He just got the job uh, at, at Idaho State. That's kick ass. I'm sure he's going to do a good job. He was a hell of a competitor. He always sold out for his team. I'm not talking shit about him. But he was an awful – he was just an awful quarterback. And Dan stuck with him and, you know – because of that, I feel like he lost his job. So, yes, the people in Boulder, that was a long time ago, but I still think they're scarred about it a little bit. Um, but I do think he's going to roll with his kid, but I also think he's going to recruit the shit out of people. So no one's immune to competition. Um, and, and you know, I know damn well that Prime's not going to, to shy away from that. So, you know, bringing up the, the white boy that screwed up the HBCU game, which I find incredibly ironic. Um, <laughs> it's just 
the the scene afterwards where Prime is telling him it's on us and being the kind of head coach he is, that's what's needed these days, unfortunately. Nothing, nothing's gonna benefit from walking in and telling that kid that he's a piece of shit and he just dropped the ball and fucked up the game. He doesn't play defense. He didn't give up 40 fucking points. So, you know, as far as, like, the number one receiver goes, he's bringing Travis Hunter to Colorado. So, he's the number yeah. one in the country. I mean, look. Oh, number one quarterback just went to Nebraska, decommitted from Ohio State. He's yeah, well, he stud, that kid. Guys, with Shador, look, it's clear the die is cast. He's going to run with him in number one. But this is a performance-based industry. If Shador – plays at an upper echelon level in the Pac-12. And I like the hires Dion has made, at least as the coordinator, bringing in a former head coach. Great hire. Yes, because I actually saw that team play Georgia. They actually moved the ball on Georgia pretty well. Coach Lewis and bringing O'Boyle, bringing both of them. Head coach as your OC and then O'Boyle as your O-line coach. He knows exactly what what Lewis wants. Like you said, uh, Kim, it's the – the ability to hire a, an ex-head coach as your offensive coordinator is essentially like he's the head coach of the offense. Yeah. If he does a good job, it puts him in line to be the head coach somewhere else too, which I also like about Prime. He's always trying to get his guys on the come up. So to me, and it's, he understands his strength. His job is to be the CEO and the face and the brand of the program so I can coach experienced coaches. I think he's handling it exactly the right way. And look, Dion understands one thing. His job is to win games. And if Shadour does not give him the best shot at a certain point, I think he has enough guts to say, son, I love you. I love winning just as much. And this is why we're getting paid. That this is a production-based industry. And so I get the sense this is perfect. If your son is the best quarterback right now, which he probably is, that's your quarterback. In a year or two, if he's not, then you have some decisions to make but let's go back to SC last year. Lincoln Riley brings in Caleb Williams. But it was just as important that they got Jordan Addison out of Pitt, who was the Blitnikoff Trophy winner. So he immediately got his number one. Now, I'm, I'm assuming Travis Hunter is going to come down to Boulder. Well, I would say, okay, Travis, your days of playing cornerback or anything else are over. You're now my one, number one receiver because you have to go all in on that. You have to make sure that your son has the best chance to succeed. So, I think he'll be fine. I don't look. Do I think Shador Sanders is a top level, top 15 NFL pick? No, but his job is to be an effective division one quarterback. Okay. He could probably play better than fucking Wilson from the Jets <clears throat> yesterday. Oh, was he bad? Dog, I, Again. I can't watch it anymore. He it makes me want to beat my head against the wall. As a Jet fan and as an alum, it's the most frustrating thing I've ever watched. Hey, man, I'm getting. I'm getting uh, torched on social media right now for this post that I made about this kid. I've already talked to Steve. The, the nine-year eligibility. <laughs> I got to get your take on it to clear the airway. On the uh, You're the deciding factor on this thing. Here it is. I basically said pretty much sums up this era. If you can't get to the NFL after year three, you're probably not going. I never assassinated his character. I never talked shit about the kid. I just said about the situation. So I'm taking heat. What's your take on this? Um, I mean, I, I played for five years. I had a buddy that played for six. He got a medical red shirt. Uh, this is a nine year event at a college. As a coach, I wouldn't even let him do this. It looks bad. Like mm-hmm. as, the co- as the coach, I wouldn't even allow this. I'd be like, look, 
We either need you to move on to the transfer portal and go play your last two years eligibility somewhere else, or, you know, you need to be a student coach or whatever. But I'm not, I don't care that he keeps playing. I, 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 you know, I kind of wish that I played in this era. Number one, people are really soft. So my mentality and playing in this era, I'm going to really like, there's going to be some, I'm going to go to jail and I'll be perfectly <laughs> fine with that. Uh, number two, you get to play for fucking ever and everything you get a new year for. And I, I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve another year. He got hurt. I had a medical redshirt year in the middle of my career. I broke my leg and had a medical. Uh, but I, I would have killed to come back as a sixth-year senior off of 60 tackles and nine sacks. Like, you imagine how good you could be the next year? So I uh, there's two ways to think about this. Number one, some of these guys coming back for fifth, sixth, seventh years it may help them develop more into, into NFL players. But I agree with coach that if you're not ready to go by three or four, it's just, it's probably not going to work there. The NFL doesn't like that much tread on guys either. Yeah. So the, 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 <laughs> I saw your character being assassinated over this and I was just sitting back watching it. Like thanks, thanks a lot, fucker. people, well, I wanted to talk about it on the show. I didn't want to shoot my bullet on a Twitter post. So the, the people that are giving you shit about this are the same folks that line up for the blue ribbons and everybody gets a trophy and, you know, God forbid you hurt this kid's feelings. We don't even know his name. I mean, it, it has nothing to do with the kid. It's the, it's the circumstance that we're, that we're not with. And I, it just plays into the new era of college football where apparently there is no eligibility. There's very rarely guys that want to play at one place. There's, a total lack of tradition. There's no more rivalries. There's no more real conferences. Like everything's just going, everything that it was built on that I loved is going by the wayside, but it's still an incredibly good product. I mean, it's not like I'm not going to watch. I just wonder though, in the age of the NIL, let's say you're a marginal NFL prospect. You're just not, you're just really popular in that one area being an XYZ university student player. Let's say you're making a couple hundred thousand grand and you're thinking, you know what? I may not even make it out of NFL training camp. If you could squeeze out a seventh, eighth, and ninth year and you're getting a pretty good NIL deal, well, maybe look, this is the wave of the future. Look at yeah. Bo Nix, right? Bo Nix goes back to Oregon. He easily, I thought he could have been a Heisman finalist if they figure out a way to win against Oregon State and close that out and they blew that lead. Uh, and cats off to Oregon State, 10-win team. Coach Smith has turned that place around. Their, their facilities are about done. That They're on the up, so good for them. Um, but if you look at Bo Nix, like he came back to Oregon next year. He essentially, the two years at Oregon could end up being his best two years as a player. Yeah. Even if he does get to the NFL. And look, my, my, my time at Colorado was my best time as a player. When I was in the NFL, I was on practice squads and undrafted and I got hurt. I got moved to offense and shit. Like NFL's a big fucking businessman. It doesn't really care what you want anymore. So in college, they still have a little bit of pull. And you know what? It's it's might be the best fit for Bo. I, I'm not really sure. This is a wait and see thing, guys. There's so much wait and see involved with all this crazy shit right now. Hey, I want to ask you. Uh, I asked Steve earlier. Um, the transfer portal ratings came out. 
and then we have these bowls. I want to ask you the quick fix solution to the shitty bowls that we're witnessing. I don't know if you got to see, you mentioned Oregon State beating the shit out of Florida. Great job. Well, Florida didn't even try. There were guys walking on the field. And yeah. So the DN's walking up the field. Going back to your soft yeah. statement about playing, you wish you would have played in this era. I'd be fucking killing it. If you were coaching the old tackle that against that Florida DN that walked Mark up Penn. the field, would you not have ran him to the fucking bench? Oh, my God. The, the first thing I would have said to him is, if he did that once, he'll do it again. The next time he does it, grab him by his chest plate, run him 25 yards out of bounds, throw him on his fucking bitch-ass head, tell him he's gonna tell him you're going to do it to his backup and run back to the huddle. And, and if they give you a 15-yarder, they give you a fucking 15-yarder, dog. It's all good. Dude, I'm like, I'm like, fuck patty cake in his ass. And I heard the old tackle. Hey, Matt, I heard the old tackle comment after the game, and they asked him. And I thought it was a good thing. He's like, you know, I was waiting for a game. So I make sense. I'm like, okay, he's waiting for an X. He's waiting for an X. And then he's like, and then I and then I, and then I saw nobody leaving and nobody coming. So I'm thinking, okay, this guy's really fucking just walking up towards me. Walking in and, a game. And I said, Well, I would have fucking ripped your ass if I was your coach at Oregon State. I would have buried that motherfucker and pay, made him pay for walking up the field. And I'm just like, dude, what is not is that not the biggest slap in the game's face? Well, I like I like slapping the coach's face too. Well, yeah, absolutely it is. And I I like the bowl games, even though they they suck and they're all corporate and sponsored by, you know, the dildo store. Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel sponsors this one and the the Korean Coastal Bowl. (laughs) Epstein's Island is gonna sponsor the next one and so on, so on. So the Brittany Griner smoke a blunt bowl. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but I, I, for the kids' sake, I dig bowl games. I like betting on them. Uh, I like watching them. They're all, some crazy outcome comes with the good bowl games. And what look when they go to twelve teams and some of these ball games are regulated to just being ex- exhibition games. Maybe they should do an NIL tournament too. You know what I'm saying? Like, do a twelve team tournament for the national championship and then do another 12 team tournament for the NIL and just like the not or the, the NIT, the not invited tournament or whatever. And then the rest of the teams, the rest of the teams, the bowls just go away, but there's a lot of money involved in the bowl games too. And a lot of sponsorships. So wherever there's money, there's going to be football. So, yeah, I mean the bowl games coach will never go away because I, I figured this out years ago, no matter what bowl game it is, pinstripe, cheese, it's whatever. It's a block of programming for the television networks. They almost don't care about the quality of the game. Oh, they don't give a shit. They really don't. They just want to make sure from 1 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. in the holiday season, we have some football on. And, and you know, the gambling, look, people like to gamble. Football is the most popular gambling uh, portal sport. (laughs) Right. And so that's another thing. So there's such an industry that it really didn't matter if it was a group of walk-ons playing. As long as those logos are there for the various schools, again, it's just programming. Well, I, I my, my boy Joel Klatt said this the other day on his podcast was they should not take away eligibility because of bowl games. Anybody should be able to play. So every redshirt freshman, like I'd like to see a lot of these bowl games turn into developmental games where they're playing all the young guys and starting the second team and seeing what they got for the next year in certain situations. Yeah. But then there's other games where <clears throat> like the, I, I want to see good on good to ten, Tennessee Clemson, although a lot of guys are falling out of the game. You know, I, I want to see how USC is going to respond, how Caleb Williams is going to respond against 
a two-lane team that went into Manhattan this year and beat the Big 12 champion Kansas State Wildcats on their home turf in the early season. So I want to see if USC is going to sleep on Tulane because Tulane will beat them. Like they're not, they are not scrubs. They're pretty good. So and that's a game, Matt. Tulane will treat that like the Super Bowl, and I get the sense USC may not even show up. The last year's Rose Bowl, Utah and Ohio State was a barn burner all up and down the field. I'd anticipate that Penn State and Utah will be very similar to that. You know, Utah always has a chip on their shoulder and something to play for. Penn State, their only two losses are to to two playoff teams. So, you know that that's a really good game. Um, I like the Oregon North Carolina game. I want to see Bo Nix against Drake May. I think Drake May is a really good player. So there's there's a lot that can be seen here if you look. There's a lot to you know throw under the bus from a shittiness perspective too. If all you're doing is gazing, so you know the 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 pundits that actually look and study this like us, I we we see value. The guys who just look at it like, oh, it's just another shitty football game, they don't, and they never will. So the NFL was crazy as fuck yesterday, by the way. I know. Do you want to play the Bengals or the Lions if you're any other team in football right now? No, dude. I did. My Jets just played the Lions and got beat. You know, the Bengals were down seventeen nothing or thirteen nothing, and Joe Burrow. Look, dog. I don't know who the NFL MVP is, but it probably is him. I mean, he's just. I just said it was. He is fucking legit, and he's got Mahomes' number. And look, the playoffs this year—I know I say this every year, and I believe it—but the AFC playoffs are going to be a fucking war. Like they are going to be a drag-out fucking fight. Even the seventeenth, the seventh seed, whoever makes that seventh seed, the two seed don't want to play that seventh seed team. Mm. The seventh seed teams are pretty good. Like, and then the NFC—if if Detroit can find a way to get in. And God, I hope they do. Um, I, you know, does, does Minnesota as the two? Do they want to see the Lions? No, no, fuck no. Mm-hmm. I'll take Detroit straight in that mm-hmm. game. You know, like the Minnesota game on Saturday was nuts. I left the gym. They were down thirty to fucking nothing, thirty-three to nothing. We got home. We started cleaning and like getting stuff together for for the holiday weekend. And I look back at the TV, and it's fucking. You know, like 30, 30, what at 36 to 28. I'm like, holy shit, they're about to do this. Guys, I let me ask you this from the Terry McLaurin uh, penalty last night where he looked at the ref and he gave him the thumbs up and still threw the flag on him to the unexcusable calls in the Minnesota game, the strip fumble that was a touchdown that they called off the board, the, the fucking hit, like the Gilmore hit on Jefferson. That was not a penalty. He hit him with his shoulder. Like, I I just, I want to see good football, and I love it. But the refs, the refereeing in the National Football League is so fucking terrible. They, like, they should be suspending these guys. Like, they are directly reflecting games. They're directly affecting the gambling lines. Like, that was a touchdown with Brian Robinson last night. You can't take that off the board. Just he looked right at you and did this, and you said yes. So, like, if I'm a if I'm a player in this league in meetings, I'm literally asking, like, what is there any fucking recourse here for players and coaches against well, Matt? Do you mean uh, officiating that's bad or just flat out suspect? I think I, I, it, I think I it's mean, bad, and it's like I feel like there's legitimate reason reasoning to investigate some of the crew. Yeah, because I've said this in boxing. And tampering. 
I've said this in boxing when it came to like judging. What is worse, incompetence or corruption? Corruption. Yeah. And so let's go back. Let's go back Thursday night with the Bosa uh, oh, roughing the pass. That was an awful call. That that game was over at that point. Yep. And that is the issue that I think many people are now having is that the nature of these penalties is so arbitrary. Is that literally tackling a quarterback now hard or too hard is actually a penalty? Never mind well, if it's roughing. So the, the Minnesota fans could have like fucking rioted the other day, bro. Like I'm surprised they didn't start throwing shit on the field. Like at some point, the fans and the people that are spending their harder money to watch this and are invested in it, people that are betting on it, like look, the best way to send a message is to stop going or stop gambling and. Mm. The like I don't feel comfortable gambling on NFL games because the refereeing is so suspect. I just I feel like I I need to know the crew. I need to know their stats. Like I have to look up who's refereeing the fucking game, which crew is doing it before I'll bet on the game mm-hmm. because the, the 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 crews swing games like this so much. It's fucking crazy. Hey, what's your take on MDC and the Lions? Uh, they've, I mean, we knew they bought in. We th- always thought they bought in. I thought we, we thought he had a bad staff around uh, as far as technical staff. I love the staff as far as people, uh, but I don't know if Aaron Glenn was the guy to be the DC. They fired a few coaches. Aaron Glenn, I still would never hire a DB coach to be my DC, but you know what? They're making it work. They're buying in. Um, they're scary fucking on offense right now, and uh, their defense is playing better. I just don't know if they can beat a team in the playoffs 48 to 47. Well, who's the offensive coordinator? What's his name? Joe Daniels or something like that? No, it's not Joe Daniels. It's uh he's uh he's on the rise though. He'll be Ben, ben Johnson, I think is ben his name. Johnson. He is legit as fuck. Yes. Like head he, coach he, soon. They he changes his scheme every week. He's always throwing something different at you. He goes from five wide to 13 personnel like this. I mean, it, it's, it was confusing the shit out of Robert Sala and the Jets yesterday, and they're pretty fucking good on defense. C.J. Mosley was about to blow a fucking aneurysm in his head because he was so confused, chasing guys around, all the misdirection. That that play to the tight end where he blocked for, like, literally four seconds and then just snuck out and they hit him in the flat and they had all that misdirection away, that is game plan and study and changing the plan week in and week out, not just having something you do. Like, you can have a foundation, but after that, we have to have a ton, a ton of turns and tweaks off of this to to mm. win football games and take advantage of other people's, you know, inability to change and adapt. So, you know, it's just like, the look at Jacksonville yesterday, the way that they were down 21 to 7 and adapted, and McCar- Mike McCarthy didn't, Dan Quinn didn't, Doug Peterson did, Trevor Lawrence did, bam, they end up winning the game in overtime. And that the you know it, it all goes full circle back to preparation, halftime adjustments, and then belief. Jacksonville Matt. Jacksonville really believes in their coach. Detroit really believes in their coach. You can tell that the Cowboys they believe that they're good, but I don't know if they believe in their coach. Yeah, Matt. I think what's impressive about Dan Campbell, a guy that I love, that his whole his whole pre uh, his post fight. Uh, his press conference when he was introduced as the coach gave this per- uh, perception that he's going to be this rough, gritty, bite your kneecaps. So everyone thought, oh, he's going to be physical. 
They're going to ground and pound. They're going to establish the run game. And you know what's funny? He's not that at all. Offensively, they're actually wide open. They actually run a fast, flashy offense. And if they they had, they had Jamison Williams on a, like a nine route or a post pattern that golf underthrew. It's funny with Dan Campbell. He's so physical and toughness and grit, which they are. But he said, but I think he said in his own mind, offensively, we're going to give you fireworks. They are a fun team, and especially on the dome um, where there's no real weather element and everything is so controlled. And once they get Jamison Williams settled into that offense as a guy that could take the top off the defense, they are going to be a very tough out because the defense is not great still, although Aiden Hutchinson, I think, is the defensive rookie of the year. Monster, dude. Yes, he's a, in the run game, he was, like, doing some great things. He's a, he's both, he's good at both. But I just love the fact that Dan Campbell, everyone thought he was going to be this rough, tough offense. He's not. He's actually very explosive, and that's a fun team to watch. And their, uh, their GM is a guy by the name of Brad Holmes. If you chart their last two drafts, guys, they've hit on an inordinate amount of guys from first round draft choices to late round guys. They've got foundational pieces on both sides of the football. Well, it's it's both those teams we just talked about, Jacksonville and Detroit. I wouldn't be surprised if they're both either vying for their division next year or like 10, 11 win teams, both of them. I think Jacksonville is going to be really, really good next year. Yes. I, I think Jacksonville scary. What do you think about? Everyone wants to know before you get out of here. I know you got to get out of here. I appreciate both of you coming on. What what do you what do you think about uh, the, the the way that the Patriots uh, did some Raider shit? They kind of did their own. They did their own Raider impersonation. Uh, well, I still think Derek Carr shitty. I still think he got lucky and got away with a win. Yeah, it's a check led team. I've never seen him do any shit like that in my life. I, Matt, you want to uh, talk about suspect call? What about that instant replay? His foot looked out of bounds. That was suspect. Uh, the, the instant replay was bad. That wasn't a touchdown at the same time. I have no – I don't even know what to say to that play. Like, <laughs> Toby Myers has been in the league forever. I'm not going to just, like, say that he's an awful player for doing this, but it's definitely a bonehead moment. I mean, Belichick, to have this happen on his team of all teams, just goes to show you that you can coach as much as you want, but the player still has to make a decision. So <laughs> – I think Matt, it's ridiculous and stupid as hell. Matt, I, I'm with Coach yesterday. In the morning, we were lauding Belichick for being the most well-prepared game-managing coach of all time and how his team's never implode. His team's never going to hit four hours later. That happens. But, guys, go back to about two years ago. They played the Dolphins when Tannehill was still the quarterback. And remember, remember yep. when uh, Belichick decided to have Gronk be like the deep safety? Yep. And the Dolphins ran this kind of lateral play, and they ended up running the ball. I think it was Kenyon Drake. Well, Jacoby Myers tried to do his own version of that when the ball got fumbled, and he tried to throw. Here's the issue I have with the play. The play is the play. It's unfortunate. But did he realize he was throwing the ball to Mac Jones? No, I think he was just trying to get rid of it. It's the last play of the game. At that point, just go down. Just go over time. Yeah. What are we doing? Hey, let me ask you this, Matt. Me and St- Steve and I argued about this. And I argued about this with uh, my buddy. Dion, you're leaving. You're playing in this game. You haven't beat North Central in two years. I go for two and get the fuck on the private jet and back to Colorado. I'm going for two. 
I'd rather regret losing it, not getting it, going for two, than kicking it, go to overtime, and regret me saying, you know what? I wish I would have went for two. I just, uh, I regret I would have just went for two and got the fuck out of there. They had momentum. You don't have anything to lose. Um, Zach said, you know what? I agree with kicking it sometimes when you're the better team and you want to play more football. Uh, I just think they lost momentum by kicking that football. I like going for two, bro. I would go for two as much as possible if I could. Just because it, even if you lose, <clears throat> your team immediately respects the fuck out of you for having huge balls. And it, I think it puts more pressure on the defensive players than the offensive players. The offensive players are like, okay, we have a ton of we have a ton of opportunity from a, a perspective of you know play calling, right? And if you have an athletic quarterback, I don't even I'm not even saying a runner. I'm saying an athlete, a guy that can just move a little bit. You're that's that's three yards. We can we're getting that. So. You know, play calling and the the ability to get angles and, you know, show people one thing and do something different. The misdirection game is huge in that regard. But I would be going for two, especially at the end of games, as much as humanly possible. The NFL needs to change the fucking overtime rules, man. If I there can't be any more ties in football. Like <laughs> we, I, I never watched soccer, man. I got to watch the greatest World Cup ever yesterday, and it ends with penalty kicks. And I'm like, why the fuck the NFL can't figure out a way like this? Well, they, they tie in regulation, and then they go to PKs, and it's just the NFL is like the only fucking league that can't figure out how awesome overtime is. Like overtime, college football kind of fucked it up too with the two point conversion thing. Like, yeah, like bro, just play. The college football overtime when they changed it, and it was just from the twenty-five until someone wins. I played in four or five overtime games that went like three over four overtimes deep. Those games are fucking awesome. Even if you lose, they're still like, wow, that game was a fucking war. In the NFL, it's like you know, it's whoever fucks up first is gonna is is gonna lose, and that sucks. It's not about execution. Like look at Houston yesterday; they just made a mistake, and Kansas City won. So. I really, I really, really, really want them to get rid of ties. I fucking hate it. Yeah, and I didn't understand why they had to shave the the overtime period to to ten minutes. It's just the strangest thing. Is make it a fifteen minute I quarter. I did not. I never under. They've overthought the whole thing. Uh, but I do wonder. I, you know, again, just the error that we're in. Player safety. We don't want games going three overtime. You know, that's what that's what it's about, though, Matt. Some of this player safety, suck it. So oh, no yeah, well, they added an extra game, by the way, for player fucking safety. Player safety. <laughs> They're going to add another one. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, exactly. Look, last thing I'll say before I get off here, um, I got to go to my radio show, ninety-two-five altitude here in Denver. If you guys want, if anybody out there wants to listen in, but did you did you see Nikola Jokic stat line last night, JB? I, I was just about to talk about well, it, but Zach, Zach came on right in the beginning of the show. He had uh, twenty-seven and twelve. No, uh, he had uh, forty twenty-seven and twelve. Or yeah, 10. forty twenty-seven and ten. It says yeah, forty twenty-seven and ten. Twenty-seven fucking rebounds, homie. That's a, just drop the mic. The suburb, the the Serbian fucking, the Serbian fucking killer out here just what. And he can't jump over this pin. Well, I don't even care. He I know that's what I'm saying. He can't even jump over this pin, and he's dominating the league. And have three MVPs. Hey, by the way, AD's hurt for another month, so thanks. 
<laughs> well, I will say this, you know, the the late the Laker lost the other night really pissed me off, but then he did this. So I, I, I think the Nuggets might have a real chance this year. The West is down, so we'll see. Hey man, I appreciate you. Uh talk to you guys in the morning. later. 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 Hey coach, I gotta get going to my workout. I don't know what you're doing all week. If you're not on uh Matt, if you're not on anything, come on through anytime this week. I'm uh I'm gonna be building out this garage all all week uh, after the show, and then uh, I'm on the show every day. I'm going on Salisbury's uh, uh, iHeart show in the morning, and then I'll be on my show from 6 to 9 uh, every day this week, and then I'll take a week off for Christmas. But uh, if you ain't doing shit, jump on. We'll chop yeah, I'll jump on again later this week. I want to do uh, – I got a betting guy that wants to come on and uh, talk some MMA and boxing. Okay, we can do that, Absolutely. All right. I appreciate you coming on. All right, brother. Have a good day, and I'll talk to you this week. Hey, read my chapter that's titled Shitbirds, Fucksticks, and Slapdicks. I'm on it today when I get to the office, brother. I'll talk to you later. Uh, Thanks for everybody joining this show today. Clap it up. The Korean co-sell Steve Kim, Zach Smith, Matt McChesney. Uh, We will have a few guests on this week. We're going to go out with Bang this week. Um... For the Christmas holiday, before the Christmas holiday. So I'll do this week on the show live. Make sure you tell a friend, retweet the tweets, put it on your stories when you see ours hit the air on Instagram and TikTok. And then uh, we'll be on there. CoachABStore.com, 20% off uh, until January 1st. Go get you some merch. Uh, go get you some gear. We got the new shirt out if you want to get it. It's a great day to have a great day. Coach JB style. We got a black tee, white tee. We got it all. Um, so make sure you head on over there, um, and use that, uh, the audio book, Isaac Lords, man, I've been working on that for a while. So I'm trying to get that audio book out there. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But, uh, Hey man, I appreciate you, Jeremiah, everybody else. Uh, we'll get back to you in the morning and, uh, I'll be doing a stream yard. I'll be doing a, uh, a show tonight. If you want to watch the show with me, Monday night football, come through. I'll be doing it live from the theater. I'll have some yak, smoke a stick. So everybody in the chat, come on through. This is tonight, 5.15 p.m. Pacific. We'll watch the Rams Packers. I'll break them down live on a, on a live watch party show. Uh, we'll, do a, uh, we'll do a super chat. I'll see you tonight right here on this channel. I got to get out of here and get ready to build this cigar bar lounge new showroom right here on the friendly confines of JB's uh, garage. So we'll be doing that. I'll be doing that all week in between. Um, But I'll see you guys on the other side and I'll see you tonight. Uh, Isaac Lords, come on in tonight on the live watch party. Don't be a slap dick. I want to get your ratings on it. Uh, We'll get Wido and Hector. Come on in and join us. Hey man, pound that like button on your way out. Head on over to coachabstore.com and we'll see you tomorrow. God willing. Peace.